Podcast. This is episode 42. 42. Whoop, whoop. We're creeping on up in numbers. We're almost <laughs> to 50 if we were at like 49. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you can do math, babe. Uh, that's about the extent of my math. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, oh, so if anybody's listening and realized that, uh, so last week I said we didn't have an intro. And so I just went and I took some of the intro music and went straight from the intro music into us talking. And I kind of like that. So I don't know how the two of y'all feel about it. I know Katie didn't listen to it, so she has no clue. And I and I don't know if, Robert, you listened to it at all. Did you send it to me to listen to? Why would I send it to you? It's a podcast. It's online. Everybody else can figure out where it's oh, at. Oh, so I'm supposed to listen to the podcast after I record the podcast? Absolutely. I didn't listen to your podcast on a regular basis when I wasn't the co-host. What makes you think I'm going to listen to it now when I'm a co-host? And I'm here the, when we talk so about it. Sorry about listening. I'm looking currently looking for a female co-host. <laughs> <laughs> if he wouldn't have cooked dinner tonight, he might have been looking for a roommate, too. Yeah, I can definitely cook some frozen pizza. I'm hey, good at that. I didn't have to cook it. It was great. But yeah, anybody Caesars. listening... I like those Anybody listening, let me know what you think. Think of do we have to do the whole intro where we talk and explain everything and then go into it, or can we just do music? And, and I like music because it's easier. So I'll leave that up to everybody listening. But I liked it. Katie has no idea, so she liked it. Sure, <laughs> I liked it. Uh, see, Robert liked it. So we're, that's two and a half likes. <laughs> so this weekend we had the New Orleans Herp Show. Which uh, was pretty good. It was weird because we were only allowed 250 people inside the place because of COVID. A hundred of that was already the vendors. Right. So if you went to the Slidell show, it was the same numbers, but it did not include vendors. So that was the difference. Um, I worked the register up front and it was absolutely horrible sitting there, seeing the line of people, not being able to let them in. But everyone was so amazing, and everyone was so patient. I mean, they were very understanding. Well, if you went to the Lafayette show, they didn't give two shits, and they let everyone in, no mask, whatever you want. It was the Wild West in there. And and I enjoyed that, too. That's the difference yeah. in government-owned venue and private venue. Yes. Yeah. And apparently found out you can't carry your concealed weapon in a government-owned <laughs> venue. Yeah. No. No, you cannot. Yeah. Or a pocket knife. Or no, I had a pocket knife the whole weekend. but That wasn't really a pocket knife. I used it, and you need to sharpen that thing. Well, I will also say yep. that this time around, the vendors didn't have to go through security, whereas well, that's last true. We time, had to go through we metal had detectors. to go through metal detectors before we could even go in the building. I do remember that. So that's why I made you leave your pocket knife at home, because I wasn't taking it back to the car. I remember that. That wasn't paying the butt. But yes, we did have a vendor. So you, you can open carry in louisiana and he was within his rights to open carry but you can only open you can't open carry in a government-owned building which the alario center isn't government-owned building yep so that was interesting and then like we had to be very careful with any outside food because we're not allowed to have outside food so wink wink nudge nudge we didn't have any outside food no i didn't uh, have a cooler under my table all weekend me either sure would have loved to have had a cooler with ice cold coke zero in it Mm -hmm. But 
the show. How did it go for you, Robert? It went pretty well. It was better than the last couple shows, so I was happy with it. Uh, I got a lot of pre-sales. To, I got like five sales today from people that I met this weekend for the Slidell show in January. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I like those. That's what I was talking to you this weekend about, like, if you, even if you come to a show and it's a bad show, you end up getting sales after the show. Yes. So it ends up turning into a good show, even though it didn't while you were physically there. But this one, this yeah, one, I mean, you, you sold a lot of racks. I saw a lot of them go out the door. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good show. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the customers seemed to be pretty happy. And um, yeah, I needed it after the last show that that Stafford show was, was really, I mean, there was a lot of people there just, they weren't buying a lot. And uh, uh, I really needed that one. And, and then losing the Colorado show that, you know, we were supposed to have in a couple of weeks, um, that hurts a little because that's a really good show for me. I sold everything I took last show on Saturday, last time. So I was looking forward to that show, and with it canceling, I'm glad that the the Nola show went well. So you got a, a new snake hook this weekend. Shut up, okay? <laughs> she only says that because I want one, and you got one. Yeah, so I great. literally just bought it so I could just wave it in front of you all weekend. It's just sitting there on his table all weekend. Well, between you having that and then JT having that little snake hook that I don't give two craps out, but he left at my table like three different times. I was like, I just want to buy something. And I didn't buy anything. Yeah. That's all I bought I'm this weekend bored. was that, that snake hook. So that, that snake. So the reason it's a cool snake hook, it's from Nine Finger Sean, which by the way, anybody listening, I know we've mentioned Nine Finger Sean before. He has a real last No, he doesn't. Name. It's Nine Finger Sean. And uh, he, we will have him on here at some point, and we will find out why he is Nine Finger Sean. It's a great story. I say it's a great yeah, story. Heard, he only has nine I've, fingers now, but I heard the story this weekend. It's it's a, it's one of his very interesting stories for sure. He's got a lot of them. He's a very interesting person. He's an awesome person. What are you talking about? But he makes a great uh, two piece like collapsible snake hook out of a, like a ski pole, but it's very like professional looking. And how long does that thing? It's like forty like. 40 inches, 50, 42 inches, 53 inches, 53 inches. It yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. It's an awesome sturdy. hook. It'll fit in a backpack. It breaks down to fit into yeah. a backpack. Yeah. It's, I got to get it's one. three pieces. Three. That's right. It's three piece. So yes, that's what, that's what Robert got. This. So our sponsors, I know we skipped right through. We kind of mentioned all of our sponsors at one time. Uh, Herb's reptile shows. They have one more show. They have Austin in <clears throat> two weeks, two weeks. Uh, and then that's it for the rest of the year. And then we do Slidell in January. Uh, so Harp's Reptile Shows. And then, uh, Robert, I'll let you go ahead and talk about our other sponsor. Well, the other sponsor is me, Lone Star Reptile Racks. Um, yeah, I just drew a blank, guys. I'm so tired. I can't <laughs> even think. I was just I was just thinking, I need to record a little promo for Robert. And you can, you can play, play that it at the time. beginning and just play That'd it. That'd be great. Yeah. 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 So, awesome yeah, but then I don't get to hear Robert stumble through it. Robert's so, tired. You leave him alone. So, so everybody knows, um, I left the New Orleans show at about six and I had to go make a delivery in Metairie. And, uh, by the time we got home, it was after 3 a.m. By the time I got in bed, it was 4, and I got up at 7.30 this morning and have not stopped since. Had to go make deliveries today. So at this point, I can't see anything, and I'm hallucinating. I'm going to be able to see sound later because I have a Red Bull in the refrigerator that I'm going to drink before I clean my house. So it's going to be great. <laughs> as long as you're cleaning the house and leave me alone, I'm good. And I don't clean it, we're Stay great. Stay out of my way. <laughs> so, yes, Lone Star Reptile Racks, if you need a rack, um, 
and keep your eyes peeled for anything new coming from Robert. I talked to Robert this weekend. I heard some stuff. It'll be very interesting. Just well, I have, pay attention. I have, the, I have a new gecko rack, an arboreal rack for crested geckos and arboreal snakes. That's uh, I delivered three of them today. Customer who breeds um, several different types of geckos, but he's putting, I think, um, gargoyle and crested geckos in that particular, those three particular racks. So it's made with 66 quart Sterilite tubs and uh, five tall, uh, no heat or back heat, whichever people choose. It, I think it's going to be a pretty good seller. I'm actually going to bring one to Austin. I ordered parts for it today so I can bring one to Austin and we'll see how it goes. So what I hear you say is, Katie, I have a rack available for you if you decide you want more crested geckos. Katie, right? you're not getting more crested geckos. <laughs> look, like, like, look, Robert and I talked this weekend, and anybody that goes to a show knows that 90% of the shows now, it used to be, hey, it's ball pythons, but now it's ball pythons and crested geckos. Leopard geckos were everywhere this weekend. It was so awesome. Yeah, but that's like the first time they've been everywhere in a while. It wasn't I awesome for the people it. trying to sell them. It was not awesome. We, we, you and I talked. It, it's very hard. It looks like it's very hard to cover a weekend if you sell one of those two animals. Yeah. Uh, we definitely. It's definitely uh, the supply side tends to do better than the animal sale side. I think the supply side is more stable. Yes, I would say you know there what? are I times think- when the, when the market goes up and down on animals, but on supplies, it seems to stay pretty stable. Yeah, and, and I, I supplies sold and feeders. Of- that's true. Everything always has to eat. I sold a lot of those little, my, my little bioactive enclosures this weekend. It was a very good weekend. I feel like we should introduce our guest so he can I weigh in on I was just about to say that. We probably should. We probably should. Okay. So our guest this week is Bill Bradley of, um, I don't want to get it wrong. I know, I, know, I know the three words that make it up, and I'm going to say it in the wrong order. But it's coal, black, exotics, right? Yes, it is. I see, I was, I was, my brain was like black coal, and I was like, that's not the right way. It is Cold Black Exotics or one of 20 million other podcasts that he could be on. Also true, yes. <laughs> if you listen to Reptile Room Confessions, which is the one that I'm able to find time to listen to, and I will find time to listen to some of the other ones. My wife has listened to uh, your daughter and your sons. And I actually, he, Bill has a new one, The Lizard. The Lizard? The, no, it's, The Lizard Talk. Stop. stop. It's the one about the lizards. The one about lizards? Why don't you just go, hey, Bill, what's the other one about lizards? And because, then you would say the actual name. Because my, I can still hear Nutcracker music in my head. Leave me alone. I've been, I've been, yeah. Hey, Bill, what's the name <laughs> of the lizard one? So there are two uh, lizard ones. And like you said, I just keep adding. Uh, lizard Brain Radio, which is uh, just a straight up regular podcast, uh, video style podcast, which is just going to be interviews for folks that are in the lizard side of herpeticulture. And then the other one is Saurian Stories. Uh, I blatantly ripped off the NPR guys and their idea for Student of the Serpent. And I really loved that they decided to go hard on individual species, except they are going on individual species of snakes. And when I listen to podcasts like that or people in that side of herpeticulture, it always seems like they're – I don't want not to – I'm not trying to talk – down about them but their their knowledge base talk down about them (laughs) no so their their knowledge base is is incredibly detailed but very specific and yeah eric and owen you hear that no he's talking shit about you (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) um what i mean by that is and it's any number of podcasts that i listen to like you guys are pretty diverse in the stuff that i hear you talk about 
but most people are very specific in what they keep, which means they're very specific in what they know about. And if they have other people on or they try to diversify a little bit, a lot of the time it kind of seems like they ask maybe generalized questions because gotcha. they, they just lack the base information, which isn't a knock to them. You know, if you spent your whole life as a Python guy, then you don't know anything about geckos. That's okay. Um, but I, when they talked about doing real specific species, I was like, man, I'm going to do that for lizards. And my thought was maybe people that were like that would listen to someone like me because now it's just base knowledge, right? I, I did morning geckos and veiled chameleons. Those are the first two episodes. No big deal, nothing crazy, but I've heard these people that I know are talking about Boland's pythons and Apodora and all this stuff, and then they don't know basic lizard husbandry. And it's like, man, you really got to diversify or, or at least broaden your knowledge base to be in the conversation because you're so good at your weird specific thing. Maybe you could help a lizard nerd or maybe lizard nerds could help you or, or something. I just felt like they were really they were really compartmentalized, you know. I feel that way every time I hear a Python person talk about boas. Like, sure. I understand pythons generally. I'm pretty good, and I've owned some. But man, some of the Python guys are so Python driven that, like, when they start talking about like live birth, their brains melt. Right. And so it's it's definitely in the hobby. You know, you've you've got a lot of people that are like you said. You've got a lot of people that are very centered in on the one species or genus or whatever it is they focus on um i think most of us didn't start out that way i think most of us started out with getting whatever we could because we're like reptiles we want reptiles yeah <laughs> and then it becomes very centered as you start to go okay i like this a little more this a little more and then 10 years down the road it's all you own and you forget you ever owned a bearded dragon right and see i've actually never been like that i've always had a really diverse collection even now i mean it is a little bit because we do the educational shows, but just the stuff that we keep in our facility, there's a uh, hundred and forty species in our building. Holy um, shit. And so and it, it's everything. It's turtles and tortoises and amphibians and snakes and lizards and all of the above. Um partly because we teach so you know, I, I teach, a, oh, this is what king snakes look like as they cross North America, and here's a beauty snake, and this is their version of a rat snake, and so on and so forth. And you need diverse lessons, otherwise kids year over year are going to get tired of seeing you. So we have a really diverse collection for that. But I, as a keeper, I I like everything. I, I build enclosures. I like to play with stuff. I like to take pictures of stuff. So it's all of the above for me. I've never... I've never gone into a trade show or opened a book or magazine or a website and been like, nah, I don't really want one of those. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> always like, oh, that's cool. Where's my credit card space? Like, but yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've just never understood people who were, yeah, man, I keep all pythons. Like, I, I don't really ever, garter snakes are cool, but I don't ever want to touch one. Well, you're out of your mind. Like, I want to touch all of them. Me too. Well, see, and that's why, that's why it works out great for you doing educational shows. Because like, I'll do outreach shows or other things every now and then, not big ones, just small ones here when someone asks me to. But it's very hard for me because I am somewhat limited on what I have. I mean, I do own like almost 20 sand boas, and I can only show them so many sand boas before they don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> right. You know, so I try to keep a couple of things on hand. Like I have a big carpet python, and I have a children's python, and I have a Eurymastix, and I've got tortoises. Um, 
I've got them because I like them. I don't keep them just like so showing people, but I try to make sure that I do have some different stuff because it, it can like if you go to a ball python guy who has 150 ball pythons, yeah, they're different colors, but at some point they want to see something else. Hey, yep. I have stuff too. You don't. What do you have? <laughs> I have class pets. Those class pets were my pets at one point, but they're not anymore. Okay. Well, and that's the thing with kids. I mean. The shows that we do, I could bring a rhinoceros and after an hour, nobody cares, you know, especially <laughs> like if, if it's your birthday, I'm going to come to your birthday party and I'm going to give you my little show. And I'm, I'm a little bit different in that mine is always educational. I don't ever go anywhere and just do boa selfies. You, you'll learn through osmosis, even if it's just hearing my voice drone on, I don't care. Um, yeah. So that, that's what it is, man. Like you can show up. I literally, I promise you, you could show up with a rhinoceros. They're going to pet it. And when their mom says it's time for cupcakes, no one will care that there's a three ton animal in their living room. They won't. That's just not how a seven-year-old works. So you have to keep that story going or they're going to get tired of seeing you. Oh, absolutely. I had that when I, before I was a teacher, I ran the education department at our local zoo and I would run into the same thing when we would do birthday parties at the zoo or even classroom field trip parties, for that matter. And we would do education programs. You've, mm -hmm. you've got to be able to change it up because if it's the same thing over and over, yeah, they just lose interest. Well, and you can't keep showing like snakes. You can't go, this is a bow. This is a ball python. This is a corn snake. Because at some point, like, it's a snake. And that's a snake. And that's a snake. Well, and so if, if, they're you young, have... if they're young enough, they're all that it's a snake. Yeah. You, every, if it's bigger than a corn snake and you get it out, it's a python. And if it's not, it's a garter snake. They're too young to to rationalize that. So you have to you be say more. It's young. I've seen adults that way, too. Oh, no, I've... <laughs> I have as well. I just, you know, I like to hope better for humanity, but I keep proving it wrong. Anyway, <laughs> down here, though, it's not a garter snake. It's a chicken snake. Yes. Yep. Down here, it's a chicken snake. So, yeah. But no, it's... and like we got a lot more diverse because we've been teaching a lot longer now. So we do more. um professional i guess you would say shows where like the museum of science and industry in chicago is a really big deal and we are the animal people for their open house every year and it's like twelve thousand. Awesome. it's like twelve thousand people go through a world-class museum uh you can't show up there and just bring corn snakes and you really can't show up there and not know scientific names like you gotta be for real <laughs> so you get stuff like that and then around here a lot of the libraries a couple of years ago, I want to say it was a national program, but I'm not entirely sure, did literature from around the world. So every couple of weeks they would call me and, okay, you know, we're doing books from uh, about stories from Australia. Do you have anything Australian? What about Chinese? What about this? And it was very, very geographically centered. And so, I mean, I diversified a portion of my collection just to teach off of that library initiative in the Midwest. So I could get through a summer because that's all they were asking me for. Well, my daughter does Girl Scouts and every year they would do um, uh, World, Thinking, World Thinking Day. And, yep. and each troop had to pick a country. And so my wife is the – Katie's the troop leader. So we for the first couple of years, we tend to pick countries of things I had. Absolutely. Well, and what's funny is it got to the point where the girls would say, okay, do you have animals from this country so we can have an animal on our table? Yep. Because you decorate your table and – and they always had James there to talk about the animal. And so we very quickly became known as the troop with the animals. <laughs> well, and we have 
a couple of friends that their daughters, that several daughters that are in Girl Scouts, and we do the same thing every year. Their daughters are fairly evenly spaced out in age. So as they age out to the older badges, the younger girls, we do uh, a bravery badge where we have snakes and creepy crawlies, and then they have specifically a bug badge. So my daughter would go there. Actually, she just did it again this year, and she does an invertebrate lesson for them, and that's how they earn their bug badge. I actually, I we listened to that on your podcast the other oh, night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've I've seen your daughter's interest in spiders in in real life. Last year at Tinley, <laughs> yes. When Joe held a, a tarantula for the first time, Melissa held a tarantula for the first time, um, and that whole process, and that, and and it's 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 fun. I don't say it's fun. it's really cool, I guess, to see kids who can talk about animals the same way adults can talk about animals. You know what I mean? Like you, you're not. As, I guess as a dad, like when you first started out with them, you kind of hover over them, like want to make sure they say everything right. But then oh, there's yeah. a point where you're like, oh, no, they, they got this. I, you can just say, hey, go, you go man this little station over here at an education program. Yep. Uh, I'll come back in 10 minutes. And we do all the time. <laughs> Our daughter does a few things like that, and it's always really awesome. Yeah, like when we've done uh, a big rep, couple of reptile, big, uh, big reptile events here, and like when we take our big tortoises, we'll put them in a pen, and I'm like, all right, you're in charge. Watch them. Make sure nobody messes with it. Answer any questions they have. Absolutely. And she can usually answer most of the basic questions on a big tortoise. We and then the Robert's thing. on Logan. He's really great when it comes to the genetics oh, of yeah. things. I've, that boy amazes oh, yeah. me every time we talk about it. He knows more than I do, it seems like, sometimes. And today he got to handle his first cobra, so he's super excited. Oh my gosh. Terrible. Wait, did you say he free-handled his first cobra? No. no, no make sure you record not. that. Put that out there. No. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and send that to CPS for me. he booped it snoot and everything oh my god yeah i was gonna say aren't you talking to two mandatory reporters i think so we are that's all right you're talking to a third so that's okay (laughs) yeah and i was a child abuse investigator for six years so yeah i was about to say oh wow yeah no i i've never um talked i don't know how to really say that politely i've never talked down to my kids like i don't talk to kids yeah. as though they're dumb I, you don't you, you don't talk to them like they're kids you no. just talk to them never. like you would anyone <laughs> and that's yeah i feel like never in the I context of say that reptiles all of us do that and it i don't believe in it because my kids my kids are the example and then all of their friends have become the examples for me because i carry on conversations with them and we talked about we talk about anything genetics we talk about chromatophores and chameleons changing color we talk about mimicry and and all these different things and they're i mean half of this stuff i learned in my bachelor's degree some of it in graduate school and when i talk to my kids they're like yeah i I get that okay so when you're talking about the king snakes they change color across the u.s for this that and the other thing and cool all right and then they all look like coral snakes but it only works in our country got it like these aren't difficult this, concepts. It's just retention. It's I guess. Why I had like a like a six or seven year old boy come up to my table, and I had a some spiders on my table, some tarantulas this weekend, and he used the word arthropod. I'm telling you, I have high school kids that couldn't pronounce that word. 
let alone know what it meant. And so I had a discussion with them on what an arthropod was, and that these are all arthropods because they all have legs that bend, and they all like. And we went through like the, the isopods that I had, and the, and the scorpions that were on my table. And this kid's like seven, uh, and I teach sixteen-year-olds who that would that melts their brain if I try to have that conversation. But it, it comes from <laughs> the way they were treated from age zero to sixteen, right? Versus the way this kid was treated from age zero to seven. Absolutely, you know. And I've always, when when our daughter was small, we if anybody tried to come up to our kid and baby talk, I immediately I stopped them. I was like, you will not baby talk my kid. Yeah. If you want to talk to my kid, you'll talk to my kid. But she's she's not going to learn that from you. Well, we actually had that. Our middle daughter who does all the arachnids and the invertebrates went to school and wanted to take out a reference book for one of her library days. And the teacher came to us and told you say, Hey, you know, uh, this isn't really appropriate for her age. So I told her maybe she should get something more age appropriate. I just wanted to let you guys know. And I was like, well, that's what she reads at home. So now I'm pretty cool with it. And yeah, they, I had to they send were just very like not uncomfortable, but kind of surprised. Like, Oh, that. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care how old she is. Like if she can read the, she can sound it out. She'll figure out how to say it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, we had to do something very similar with Josephine. We had to send a note saying that she's allowed to read things that are above her level and she's allowed to read things. Well, the problem is her level. She's So she's in fourth grade, but reads on like an eighth grade level. Yep. Yeah, we so have it's very hard you. to find books. Well, and I understand when you talk about fiction books from a content perspective. I, I get it. Totally get it. You don't want my kid to bring home something that has adult content and then I'm going to be upset. I, I totally understand. My, like she right, came. But if she, it's nonfiction. Right. It was literally one of the Audubon books. <laughs> she, nice. This had tons of pictures of butterflies in it. You should have seen it. And I was like, yeah, I, I know what it is. I got one. Just take that one. You know? And <laughs> yeah, she was freaking out. I love it. Well, that, okay. So that kind of leads me into uh, our question we had this week. And, and I kind of formed this question as I was driving home from the show last night. And I apologize to anybody listening that it took us a week to get the question out. Uh, but then I realized we had Bill had coming on. And I was like, I want to have a question that can kind of aim towards Bill. And this one, uh, because I know of all the outreach you do, is kind of that way. And our question was, what is one thing that individuals can do to shine a positive light on the reptile hobby? Because you guys do such a great job at that through all of your outreach and all, all of your education programs. And then now through your 20 million podcasts involving your kids also. But I uh, – so let me go through some of these, and then I do want to mention y'all's podcast – well, one of your podcasts from this past time around where it kind of ties into this. For sure. But uh, – so my, my friend Tracy says she loves to teach people about reptiles, uh, her reptiles, reptiles in general, answering questions, uh, seeing someone's face when they touch or hold one for the first time and realize that it wasn't bad or that's really cool is the best. Positive interactions and knowledge are some of the best ways to help the hobby in my opinion. And that's a tricky one. Uh, cause I feel so many people have a different idea on what is the proper interaction to have with someone who's not used to reptiles and their reptile. Um, you, you'll see, like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm a big proponent of never, ever scaring anybody with one. There's no positive that comes about scaring. I don't care if you think you can scare it and then they become interested. I disagree. No scaring whatsoever. And I, and I never do. I never try and go boo or jump at them or surprise anybody. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I do love teaching, talking to people about reptiles 
Uh, I've, I've done, like I said, I've had a couple of big reptile days that my group put on here in central Louisiana. And people come out, they know what they're coming to. There's no surprise. It's called Reptile Day. You're not going to come and find puppies. So, like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, and we even, like, when we set it up, we set it up where, all right, all the snakes are in one part of the place. All the lizards are in another. All the turtles and tortoises are in another. So, if no one wants to go near the snakes, they don't have to. Um, and so, I think that's a big thing in our hobby. We've, we've got to stop any sort of shock value. And unfortunately, a lot of people get into these, I say unfortunately, I don't want to say unfortunately, a lot of people get into reptiles, I think, because they are not the norm. And because they are shocking. They are, uh, they didn't want a dog or a cat or a hamster. They wanted something that drew attention. They're unique. They are unique. Um, but at the same time, you've got to find a way to, to share that with people without scaring them because they are unique or scary to some people. Uh, so yeah, I, I just people have got to find. There's, I think there's got to be more positive ways out there to show people how to properly talk to people about the reptiles. Well, I think it has a lot to do with the. I don't want to overly categorize, but it's been my experience. The vast majority of people don't understand the difference between rational and irrational fear. So yes. my wife grew up in Kansas and originally started out scared of snakes. And she's like my big success story, right? She was scared of snakes. Now we're married. She stuck with me and she does tons of shows and is incredibly well-versed in reptiles. But she had a rational fear of snakes because when she grew up, she grew up on the country and her parents had horses and, and the whole nine and rattlesnakes were a real issue. You know, they had you had to wear your boots and you had to treat horses and, you know, they had, they had issues with venomous snakes where she lived. And so for her to be scared of snakes was perfectly explainable. And then it was just working through the, okay, well, this isn't in a field scaring you or biting your horse or impacting one of your farm animals. This is me holding an animal and you interacting with it in a controlled way, right? So you can work through a rational fear. Now we have a, my wife and I are also board members on a reptile rescue. We have uh, another board member who is deathly afraid of arachnids of any kind. Absolutely. It's an irrational fear. She is a 40 something year old lady. She fully understands that the fear that she has is totally irrational. I'm, I'm the guy who teaches people about arachnids in our group. She can't do it with me. She hyperventilates. She goes through the entire huge fear anxiety process and she's aware of that she cannot get over it okay cool i i we tried to work through it once or twice she doesn't feel that she can that's it when ann and i work together ann stands over here and i tell her hey i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get out the scorpion i'm gonna do whatever and she goes okay cool thanks and then she'll stay on the other side of the booth or she'll do whatever she can watch me, but if she were just to turn around and there was a tailless whip scorpion on my head because I was reenacting the Harry Potter thing, she gets scared. So I change how I'm working to accommodate that because I know that's an irrational fear. If if you're just out there trying to educate the public and you don't know the difference, you're you could really upset people by not understanding that they're unable to work through it. Yeah, Katie has issues with mice and roaches. Those are her two. And Josephine, our daughter, does the best Madagascar hissing cockroach presentation. And she'll tell me, she's like, Mom, I'm going to get the roaches out. And I will go stand on the other side of the table from her. Um, and But like you were saying, my own mother is terrified of spiders. 
And yet I didn't know that she was afraid of them until I was probably in high school because when we would go places that did programs, she was there. She was just always somehow miraculously in the back of the room. Right. But she didn't want her fear that she, you know, she knows. Um, she, you know, she wanted to make sure that we did not unnecessarily get that same fear. I even had a tarantula when I was in the eighth grade and it was in a duct taped container inside of another container with a lid. And I just <laughs> thought it was because she didn't want it to get out in the house, not because she was so afraid of having it in the house. So um, that's Katie, actually how, uh, sorry, go ahead. How do you walk around the shows if you're, if you don't like roaches? Cause we have them everywhere. I don't think about it. And I'm okay as long as I know that it's not going to get on me. Like, if one were to ever get on me. So, like, if a vendor were behind us and they had Red Runners and they got all in our stuff. I would leave the space (laughs) and not come back. I mean, I'm not saying hypothetically. I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying. I would remove myself from the situation. Yeah, because I had about about 1,200 Dubia under my table this whole weekend. Oh, my gosh. No, (laughs) no, I can't. I can't. I, I like see, my stomach hurts and my chest is like. See, I agree. Hard That's an break. irrational fear. My fear of going in the water, I feel, is fully irrational. <laughs> there is shit in there that can bite me, and it's faster than it's me. So irrational. It's not irrational. He thought he was going to have to live on his kayak one day, guys. It's not irrational. There's alligators in the water. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you live minutes. in a place where that's a real thing, though. 45 minutes. Like, if stuck you come on to my house, machine. that's not a thing, right? There's. There's there's alligators. There's five foot alligator guard. There's alligator snapping turtles. There's cottonmouths. I'm not going in the water. That's their place. <laughs> Just like I'm not going in the water at the beach. There's sharks, and people go, "Well, you're more likely to get." I don't give a shit. If I get bit by a shark, I'm more likely to get bit by a, bit by a shark than anything else. I'm not taking that risk. No, because there's got to be one guy. Somebody somebody took Tylenol. Yeah. Somebody took Tylenol and keeled over. That's why there's a warning label. Somebody gets bit by a shark every year. It's going to be. I'm not going to be him because I'm not going in the water. Yeah, there you go. Hundred percent chance I don't get bit if I don't go in the water. There you go. (laughs) So see, I feel like that's a rational fear. People are going to just go in there anyway. No, but then like you see the people that uh, they walk into a pet store. They're on the other side of the pet store. Their kid points out that there are snakes on the other side of the pet store, and they scream and run out of there. My my old police That's- chief was like that. He had a decays brown snake in his office one morning, and when I was a detective, my office was right across the hall from him. And I came in at like seven thirty, and he's sitting in my office, and I'm like, uh, "What's up, chief?" <laughs> he said, "Get it out of my office." And I go in, and it's this little bitty decays, and I pick it, I pick it up, and he almost passes out. He oh. was deathly. And this he's a big man. He's like six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds. Scared of this little. He had he can't even watch them on TV. He said, "If a snake's on TV, I have to change the channel." I there, yeah, I know some people like that. I, he, I will had, be honest. I used to be that way. He Not uh, that anybody he, would ever guess that. But. He messaged me a couple of years ago and said, "Robert, I'm going to have to unfollow you on Facebook. So if you want me to see <laughs> something, you need to tag me in it." I said, oh, "I, you know, I understand." I've had a lot of people do that to me, actually. My, my favorite is always the. You own snakes. I'm never coming to your house. You weren't invited. You weren't yeah, exactly. invited. Exactly. Yeah, that's I'll definitely that a big a one. I also own a gigantic dog. You would have thought you got the idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So that was, let me move this out. Tracy actually messaged me after we just said her name. That's weird. Uh, oh, this one's Christian Parr said, when friends and family come to my house, I show them my collection. I don't force people to hold them, but I often get one out of my, uh, get out one of my jungles to show them that they aren't just evil killing machines. I'm also careful to never post anything online that could shine a negative light on the hobby. 
I just try to show the world how awesome they really are. Again, all great things. My, my, my goal for this question was saying is that, you know, not everybody can go do what you do, Bill. They can't all go do education programs. But Absolutely. I fully feel everyone in the hobby can do something to further a positive light on the hobby. Yes. Um, and that was the whole reason for this. You know, yeah, it, I guarantee everybody that owns snakes has somebody or multiple people in their family that whenever the conversation comes up, it's the only good snake's a dead snake or I don't ever, you know, something negative comes out. Yeah. And then it, it, then it comes with, well, how do you handle that situation? Okay. An argument is never going to fix it, you know? And sometimes, unfortunately, the best option is just turn around and walk away. But then there's those times where maybe just through easy, gentle conversation, you can ease them into maybe looking at it or understanding at least your point of view. And that's a win. That's a big win. They don't have to go hold the snake or buy one for it to be a win. As long as they can just understand where you're coming from. This this all coming from the one of the most argumentative people that I know. I'm not argumentative about that, though. No, he's not. Everything else, he's always right. Except for that ball python suck. But I'm not really argumentative. No. I'm just right. So. <laughs> Fucking James. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All pythons pay the bills, bitch. Right. Out of my house. We're going to have some one day. Just wait. Oh, man. I wish you could all <laughs> see the look that I just got. <laughs> He's going to die when, I, when you take it home and after I give you one and he doesn't know it until oh, it's home. It's going to be glorious. You're going to wonder why it's for sale at the next Herb <laughs> Show on my table. <laughs> oh, so Victor also said, uh, in my opinion, more hands-on educational videos are definitely pointing in the right direction. Uh, I agree. More proper education videos, which I think, Bill, you have the ability to do more of that um, than, than some others probably have the ability to. Stuff like that is just about presentation and acknowledging acknowledging the clickbait factor and whether – so like yes. – it's like snake discovery, right? Yes. In my opinion, no clickbait whatsoever. Very wholesome content, legitimately good people. I really like them. Uh, I met them a few times. Awesome. And they didn't have to get eaten alive by a retic or whatever <laughs> to be famous. <laughs> like they're, that's, that's legit. I think, I think it was an anaconda, not a retic. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, <laughs> since you brought that up, um, I didn't realize that some some bigger name people in the hobby were involved with that eating alive by an anaconda thing. And I might've put some stuff out on social media when that show came out. And, uh, the two of the people like I didn't know, knew who I existed and were, resp were responding to me at the time. And I ended up live tweeting during that episode about how stupid and dangerous that was. So that was kind of interesting. That was my first taste of, um, I don't know the the reach I had on social media, I guess, and it did you sort of backfired a little bit. <laughs> I did mean, you it, ever it didn't backfire for me? I felt fully justified in calling <laughs> that guy stupid. But did you ever see the uh, the interview that Joe did with that guy, Joe Phelan? Did I did? Yes. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he had to have some idea when he when he went to sign up for that. I mean, it's a payday. 
So, I mean, like, you sure. had to have somebody that was not going to get shown in the best light. Sure. Uh, but then you listen to him, you're like, well, he wasn't a, he's not a complete moron when it comes to the animals, which is what I felt he was when I watched it. Cause I mean, I felt like he was just a dude that right. they found, but I mean, you know, I, I say it before and, and a lot of people will, I, I don't hold, and that's just cause I'm biased, but I don't hold Steve Irwin in the same light as I hold everybody else. That's clickbaity and over the top. I just don't. And I can't, I can't do it. He's it's, the original clickbait. He's though. not the original. He, he, it's different, and I can't explain how it's different. I think, but everything. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I just, I understand what you're saying and how you're going to alienate a ton of people, and I'll, 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 I'll ride that with you. I'm, and I'm, I'm down. Um, well, I just, I agree. After he died, everything changed. It did. I think it changed because we know if how he acted at the time was acceptable at the time, be, mostly because. The vast majority of folks didn't know. A lot of it was the magic of TV, so it was safer than you thought it was. But it looked unsafe. It looked in a, inappropriate by today's standards for handling venomous things and dangerous crocodilians and so on and so forth. The converse to that is that he brought in an ungodly number of people to have interest in these things, which is wonderful. I mean, most of our hobby, most of our hobby is from him. I mean, of course, really, you talked to, you talked to almost anybody at a show that is 30 or older and he's the guy. It was, I mean, everyone right. watched him. And I, I don't and, and it think was one you can totally denigrate the YouTube clickbait people now because they're just following the method they saw that was functional. It works. It, it does the pay them. Week. I mean, it, it pays their bills. It does what they want it to do, and they have the reptile messiah to follow on all of his old DVDs. I mean, well, Robert and I were talking this weekend, and and, and we mentioned Brian Barczyk last week, and it's just it's kind of hard not to. He's the the number one guy when you come to when sure. it comes to YouTube, and so everybody and thought talking, he was going to be the next Steve Irwin until it didn't work out that way. Well, I was talking to Robert. I feel like Brian's channel. Is and I told Robert this. It's not a channel for reptile people as much as it is for a channel for people that like reptiles. Yes, like you know, it's and, and it's not a knock. And I get why he has to do it. People gotta gotta make money. And that's unfortunately that is how how you make money. Um, but at the same time, I say that, and then look how many followers Snake Discovery has. Right. And Emily has never once picked up a venomous snake and swirled it around and acted like her anaconda was going to kill her at all. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just, if wh why can one person do it? And the other one can't. Personality. Personality. Yeah. yeah Mr. Emily, Rogers is popular. It, and so is Van Halen. Right. It's just two right. different things. <laughs> Emily would look completely silly doing that. And with Brian, you're like, well, it kind of fits. Yeah. Well, and it always got me growing up. People always talk about how before, before Steve Irwin died was that he, he was going to, get bit by or this or die from a snake or die from crocodile. And I never once felt that he was actually going to get bit or die from one. I don't, I don't know if it was just because there was like, he had this aura that it was never going to happen. But when I watch free handlers on YouTube now, I'm thinking, oh fuck, we're one second away from this person getting bit. Like, I don't know why they, they're just, it's, it's a different, I felt watching him. He knew he was in complete control, even when it looked like he wasn't. Whereas I watched some of the guys now where I'm like, they're just taking risks that they don't need to take. Well, when you rewatch him now as an adult, do you still feel the same way? Yes. Yes. Right up until the one where he passed away, honestly. 
because a lot of I mean, a lot it, of the things you see really are the magic of TV. Remember when the Cobra yes. went through the the campground and his wife was there and everybody was super scared. Yeah, dude, it's '90s TV. You can see the plexiglass. Like that thing yeah. wasn't anywhere near him. You know, when he's jumping on Crocs and stuff, he was a legitimate crocodilian removal person, and he had an entire team of professionals. Like it, I always it, it was I always just felt like cuts of the, the action shots. Yes, if he was I always a pro, felt watching the show. You know, Oops, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I always felt watching the show like there was two parts to the show. The part where when he was catching Crocs and it was slow and methodical and, you know, he knew, everybody knew their role. And then the parts where he was catching snakes in the wild and it was fast and and um, I don't want to say reckless because that's not the word because that's kind of the vibe they were trying to put off is that it was kind of crazy, but it wasn't. And I always felt like that was two different parts of the show. Like that was his professional side and that was the the catching the snakes was his fun side. He sure. always seemed to have very controlled chaos though. Yes. But really, if you're herping, I mean, you ride around in the car forever doing nothing and then four of you jump out and try and catch a water snake in a ditch. <laughs> right. That's really what it is, right? It's just, to me, it was just the camera cuts. You know, yes. they, they cut yep. the TV show because every 10 minutes when they needed a commercial, they needed a little bit of a cliffhanger. All right. Well, him yep. kind of running down a rock face toward a sand monitor. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why that happened. What really happened is he ran down there and grabbed it. And then you cut right. it for your Doritos commercial or whatever. Fine. But when you go on Instagram and you look at some idiot who's just screwing with a King Cobra, like there is no commercial cut. It's just an idiot screwing with a King Cobra. Yeah, no, he reached into a cage, grabbed it with his hands, and it's holding it, you know, where it can bite him at any second. Right. Yep. Like it's, it's it, like that's that's a different thing. And I know a lot of people will say it's not. They'll say, well, he was free handling too. But it's it's different and it just is. And I would and, argue uh, that look at how his family conducts themselves with the zoo now. They are not yep. sensationalist like that really at all. Yeah. They have a massive conservation message. His son still works with crocodilians, but it's way more presentation, way more. I, don't, I guess scripted would be the word. Um, yeah. They've they've evolved past that, and it it kind of fits with what he said. You know, that was always his thing back in the day: is how do you know you did a good job? And he was like, "Well, when my kids take this up and do it, or the next generation takes it up and do it, then that's what I'm going for." Okay, well, to me. He passed away doing something that was not in his forte. He was uh, under the water dealing with animals he didn't routinely deal with for the television show. It didn't work out how he thought. And he had poor medical care. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But now his kids, especially having their experience colored from that, they're doing the exact same goal as he had in a totally different way. Same zoo, same family, same people, minus their dad. And they're they're not major risk takers. They're they're doing something totally different. It's it was an evolution of it, and it feels like the Instagram clickbait thing is a step back. Like you, I agree. The whole idea was for us to evolve to do in this a better way. We have we have venom proof cages. We have hooks. We have tongs. We have all the buckets and boxes. People are building racks for venomous and all this cool stuff that didn't exist when I got into the hobby. I didn't have any of that when I was in grad school. We were still trying to hook copperheads with our crappy hooks and it did not work well. <laughs> like there's no excuse for you to do that 
when you have awesome equipment like even for a guy like Steve Irwin who had he had a zoo at his backing at the time that he was doing that and especially considering where he lived that's really what his zoo did like oh yeah me and the five guys at the zoo rope up crocodiles off of farms and move them and then we're going well, yeah, like, to on his, TV his well, some of his original videos are him filming himself by himself with his dog yeah in the outback catching crocodiles yeah and he's yeah. he's not doing it may look sensational but that's what it takes jumping on the back of a crocodile is what it takes to catch a crocodile like that's not that's not an over the top thing as much as that's that's how it's done i mean i've had to catch crocodiles and alligators that's how it's done um i i just wonder how different everything would be if he was still alive he would and if he was still on tv would there have been room for this youtube stuff to come in if he was still like the kind of the the number one in reptiles, I don't think so because it you, you would have evolved those lessons learned, right? He passed away, yeah. and then there was a void. David Attenborough wasn't actually all that prolific during that time until he got to the new stuff with all the four K cameras and everything. There was a really big gap. That's why it was such a big deal when when his newer stuff came out a couple of years ago, and then the one that. Um, oprah did the narration on was a really big deal because there had been kind of a gap and so as the social media technology progressed those people were able to fill that gap i think had he been around to keep setting that example there would have been no there would have been no clickbait gap to fill you would have still no. you would have able to be able to turn on the tv or you know i'm sure people like that would have progressed to youtube and stuff and seen his stuff but because there was nothing to see well, then the most sensational thing is always going to get it. You know, even, even Snake Discovery, I love them, but a lot of their popularity came from a single video or two that went viral, and then they built off of that in a good way. But things going viral, is a lot of that's luck, to be honest. Well, see, I think like – so on YouTube, you either have those YouTube videos that are not for reptile people that just want to see something happen. They're hoping that someone gets bit and dies. You have the ones for folks that just got into it and really like reptiles, but they don't know any better. And and those those people have those YouTube people have their fit. They bring a lot of people into the hobby. I'm not gonna lie, and I've said it before. Brian Barshek brings a lot of people into the hobby. And then you've got uh, Emily, who brings a lot of people into the hobby a different way. I mean, Robert, you had an instance this week at your table. I did. The little girl about, I don't know, she couldn't have been six or seven years old. Her and her father, uh, he started talking to me, uh, didn't didn't know what a rack was. So he was asking questions about the racks. And he was telling me that he has zero interest in snakes. He had zero interest in snakes until his daughter started watching Emily. And now she's obsessed with them. So they have a corn snake now. So I ended up, my wife mm -hmm. ended up taking her over to one of the people that had a big berm and letting her hold a big berm. And that little girl was on cloud nine, but 100% Emily brought her into the hobby. Well, I think that's the diversity is Emily. Emily is the Mr. Rogers of our and our, of our social media. She, she is. She's a, yes. she's a, she's genuinely a good person. Her content is, is very wholesome and her content is aimed at young children. Snake bites that's type stuff was aimed at teens that got a cell phone and wanted to watch stuff. And it had to be sensational because they were 12 to 16 years old and they just want to see it bite your face. <laughs> he, he was making music videos for nerds that like reptiles. 
And then because he wore spangled jeans and had some tattoos, other kids would watch him because they wore Ed Hardy t-shirts. Like that's it's it's entertainment, but he has a demographic, and so does she. So, so so where where does Dave Kaufman fall? Somewhere in the middle. See, well, I think Dave Kaufman does it the right way, though. He's Dave sensational. Dave. Dave's Dave my Kaufman. favorite channel. So I again I met Dave a handful of times. We went out to dinner and stuff. Dave Kaufman, love him. Doesn't pull their numbers. No, well, he doesn't. How, unfortunately, doesn't. however, if you talk to Dave. What Brian Brian's videos get tons more clicks. What they don't get is percent viewed, right? Yeah. yeah. People click on look at uh Jay Brewer and all his TikTok garbage. People oh. click on 10 seconds and click off, right? Dave Kaufman gets well, way fewer clicks, but people are watching. 90% of his video like they click off of his credits that's the only thing they don't watch said, they watch the whole goes back video to what, well, goes back to what I said Barcheck makes videos for people who like reptiles Dave is making videos for reptile people for nerds yes. yeah we will we will all watch him go to some jungle in the middle of nowhere and show us a lizard that we didn't give two shits about an hour ago yes but he's showing us where it's at how it looks what how it lives and he's not showing it chasing him eating his face and him trying to boop its snoot and put a hat on it that's not he's not doing any of that stuff that people want to see on social media he is showing you a documentary yeah. which is what our age miss because you don't get those anymore dave kaufman yeah. is david attenborough if he grew up with hippie hair and brian Bar <laughs> brian barcheck is steve Irwin if he grew up in the south and drank a lot of monster <laughs> that's it it's just it's two different demographics yeah well, and, and I've said with with Brian, I don't, I at no point doubt his interest or love for the reptiles. I've always just questioned the way that he he spreads his message. Sure. And so, but then you have people like Emily, Clint, and Dave. I love the way the three of them do it. Um, but as far as like Clint and Dave go, yeah, they don't they don't get the they definitely don't get the hits that Emily gets. And they definitely don't get the hits that Brian gets. Right. Um, but like you said, some of these these freehandler guys. And we're not mentioning their names, but some of the freehand guys, they're a lot like the same thing. They get clicks, but they're not really getting followers. Like they're not getting people that are watching their videos every week when they upload. They're getting someone who shared it on a Facebook and they clicked it for a minute just to see if it ate them, it didn't, or bit them, it didn't happen, and they move on with their day. Right, but as far as algorithms and ad revenue go, clicks matter. Yes, right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that everybody watches all of Dave's videos. They need more people to watch them. See, I wish that's how it worked because, I mean, hell, they're making money off of advertisement. If I'm watching all of Dave's videos, I'm sitting through the damn advertisements. Right. So, so pay him. He he deserves the money. I sat through all of it. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to pull us back to our Facebook question. Okay, I feel like we're all on a soapbox. Not a, I'm always on That's my podcast. Uh, yeah, that definitely was very, you have very two soapbox. other hosts. It's uh, not just okay, your okay. podcast. I'm, I'm, there's so, there's room on the soapbox. You can get up here. We'll move it's, over. It's a big soapbox. Uh, Darren Watson says, uh, when given the opportunity, teaching someone the importance of not killing native snakes and the importance of impact they have on the ecosystem, which I live. I don't know how hard it is up north, but Jesus Christ in the south, that is a oh, that is a hard battle. Yes, everything's a copperhead. Till it's actually a copperhead, then it's not a copperhead. If, if it's in the water, it's a cottonmouth. Yep. 
or fell out of a tree into my boat. It was a cottonmouth. Um, it, I get it definitely exact, chased me. I get the exact same species, and I live in a place where we don't have those species, so that's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people all the time, I'm like, yeah, man, I don't really think that's what it was. Oh, yeah, def- I've, I've had people tell me that they saw timber rattlesnakes, and I'm, man, you should call uh, Illinois Department of Natural Resources. They'll, they'll put your name in a book because you're the one that had, would rediscover it. And they look at me like I'm insane. And I'm like, dude, there hasn't We're- been a timber rattler up here since the maybe early 1900s. Where do you live I, at? Uh, I'm not familiar. I'm like an hour south of Chicago. Okay. Okay. That's why I saw him at Tinley. Yep. Makes sense. And then, uh, so our, our buddy, Sean Gray also shared this question on his Facebook. And so we got some responses from over there on his, uh, one person said school visits while educating young kids, which I, I would love more of that. But I know that that process is very, it's again, you'd have to be someone set up like yourself, Bill, because I know that it takes insurance and, and so many different things. Yeah, to get into the school system to do something like that. Yeah, that's that's a lot more involved than I think most folks realize. Like you, when you volunteer, even at well, I don't know about you guys, but up here, like when you even when you volunteer at the kids' school, you do a background check and all that stuff. Um, And that, like, my bringing animals to the school can't be. I mean, my kids are older now, but like when I volunteered to be, you know, treat dad or whatever, those two things can't merge you know what i mean yeah well and i I remember as a kid the guy coming to i think fifth grade and i remember there being a big burmese python and have an alligator seven turtle and that we were all in the cafeteria slash gym mm-hmm. and watching the presentation i remember that the big yellow um, snake did he have a big yellow snake yeah, the, do they all have a big, a big yellow, yellow snake one. yeah <laughs> I, I do always love the uh that's how it always gets referred my so-and-so has a has a python oh yeah what kind it's yellow it's a burmese python yep everyone <laughs> um let's see some other ones on here oh what person put art art is a good way i think art is a good way to get well, that's who made used to reptiles that's who made that turtle that's the guy that made that turtle for sean this weekend well that thing was amazing that fake alligator snapping turtle yeah aaron makes some awesome stuff yeah he he's also the one thing that did the alligator too that yes sean used to bring they look real, and he sets them there at the entrance. We walk in. And I mean, it, if you didn't know it was fake, it, it, the it's Every amazing. Every time I walked in the door, I caught myself, and I was like, "Oh, dang it! It got me again." Every <laughs> single time I got into the door this weekend. I mean, that is becoming more prevalent, though. Look at all the folks that do photography on social media. You get, you know, uh, Emily Burke. A lot of the different folks that are are doing all sorts of different art. You know, they're they're bringing in an entirely different crowd because our stuff is the subject of their art. You know, if, if you're a photography nerd and you're following all the stuff that Zach Her and them are doing, you don't you might not put together that he's actually hanging out with a handful of keepers who have really huge collections. And those are the subjects of his art, you know. Well, and that's I think it's important getting art out there whether it's photography or videos of reptiles not biting people you know right there's enough pictures and videos of them biting somebody or do or killing something but just i mean you look at as goofy as hell ball pythons are like just a picture of a ball python sitting there is not threatening it's the least threatening snake there is 
next to a sambo. And so a good. No, that's true. I mean, they're goofy <laughs> as hell too. I'm not gonna lie, well, but I like them. I mean, look at look at Tell Hicks. So do I. You know that he's probably the most prolific painter related to this hobby that I've ever heard of. Um, and it, in the actual art side of the world, he's incredibly well regarded and is wildly talented. But if you ever talk to the guy, he's also just a reptile nerd who happens to be incredibly talented artistically, you know? So he, he's definitely pulling both worlds there where he meets so many of those folks because of his skill and they're like, Oh, you know, this wonderful Southwestern theme and, you know, these different lizards and what drew you to painting that? And he's like, I was there herping for night lizards. And then I painted them <laughs> and I'm an awesome painter. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, So I also shared this post um, from the Reptile Gumbo podcast onto my personal Facebook page. Just because I figured, you know. Which I, is mostly not reptile people. Exactly. Um, that should But be cool. I do have a few people that, that are reptile people. And one person actually posted. Um, and he's he's an awesome an awesome guy. He actually helped us move our tortoises. Um, his mom is a teacher that I've worked with before. He's an awesome guy. He's a, he's a kid. He's in college. S- still a kid. But he's in college. <laughs> he's over 18. He is considered an adult. Uh, but Blake is very cool, very cool. Um, so, anyways, he said he he would like to see a more honest representation of snakes in television and movies oh, because yeah. a lot of times, you yeah. know, they're the bad guys. Or even on Animal Planet, they'll show a cobra, and it's something that can kill you if you so much as look at it. And while it's true that that particular snake can kill you, it doesn't mean that it's going to kill you. So, you know, you you just want a more accurate representation. That's why I like Planet Earth. Anything with all the Planet Earth stuff. Yes. We saw a Funko Pop, the little toy, at the store today. And it kind of looked like a snake. And before James ever even got close to it, he goes, well, it's probably a bad guy then because it's a snake. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's very similar along these lines. But. (laughs) And then here was one I liked. This was one that someone commented on Sean's. Stop running around with snake with their snakes around their necks and starting starting to wait. Jesus Christ! Stop running around with their snakes around their necks and starting being okay. And start being start being a responsible adult instead of an attention whore. Fair that very fair. I, I've got to say, and, so, and I know we have this conversation. So I thought the other day I was like, man, we have a lot of the same conversations over and over on this podcast. But then I thought about this. A lot of times people, and I see them because they'll like our podcast on Facebook out of nowhere. They just find our, and they may not go back and listen to previous episodes. They pick up from where we are and they don't hear what we say. So they don't know what our soapboxes are They yet. don't. <laughs> but I feel it's important with this. People have got to stop taking their animals to, to Petco or PetSmart. I know as much as they think that that's a great thing and that's going to cause someone to love these animals more. And they do it with the, the best, well, many of them do it with the best intentions. It goes back to that irrational fear. Uh, if someone walks into a pet store and they know there's snakes there, if they expect that snake to be behind a tank and behind glass, and it's fine. When they walk down the dog food aisle and all of a sudden they see you holding your six foot boa, you've set them back. Like you, that does not help progress their fear and get or getting over it. That sets them back. And and so I, I agree. I think people have got to. That may that's not the best way to share your love for the animals just taking them to the store and walking around with them or 
even if it's not a pet store, some people want to take this stuff to places that are not pet stores. That's the shock value. Um, well, you know, when we talked about that earlier, we're not the type of people to just startle you and scare you. Like Bill was saying, he lets that person know, hey, I'm about to get this out of this cage and hey, I'm about to do this. Um, and, and that's what that is. You know, if you're not expecting to see it, you turn the corner and you see it. That shock value is what's going to going to startle you. Well, I've actually never understood the dichotomy of that because so many people or it seems like so many people that would probably have that mentality of taking your boa to the park or whatever um are going to be the people who uh i have a reptile i'm unique and whatever special thing you think makes you a reptile person <laughs> but the reason that you take it to pet smart is because everybody else can take their pet to pet smart and i want to be accepted as a pet owner it's like well do you want to be unique or accepted like if if you want to be special then special things apply if you don't want to be special, buy a Pomeranian and go to PetSmart. That this that's not what this is. Like you I don't understand how you can be so into a very specialized thing and you're a huge nerd for snakes or you're a huge nerd for dart frogs or whatever it may be. And then when it comes to something like that for taking things out in public or free handling on social media or whatever thing you do that the majority of us find to be silly or inappropriate, then it becomes well, acceptance. Well, I thought you were special and unique. That's why you're the Cobra guy. What you don't need to be accepted by me. You're a special, unique Cobra flower. So be that and Poor stop flower. touching it. <laughs> I, I've never understood it. Like, it. You can't do both. That doesn't make any sense. Like I have a 140-pound dog that doesn't like people. He's never been to PetSmart, and he's never going to go there that, because that doesn't make any sense. Like I also have a 13-foot albino Burmese python. She also has never been to PetSmart, and she's not going to go there. Like That just doesn't make any well, sense. That's because you, you don't love her. You should take her there so she can pick out her mouse in person. Yeah, right? No, I go to the farm down the street and get a chicken. <laughs> well that goes um one of our listeners ish said uh with snakes stop posting live feeding videos and this comes on so this goes to i guess the heart of a lot of reptile keepers we do like these things because they're different i mean that that is one reason we like them they're not a pomeranian you know we do like that and a lot of times you'll hear uh keepers go especially when it comes to, like live feeding videos well it's nature that's what they do people just need to get over it I get that mentality, but that mentality in no way helps the hobby. Like that's our goal isn't to make other reptile people like reptiles. They already like them. And the other reptile people aren't the ones making the laws. So yes, we do kind of have to care about what others think. Now, personally, you may not give two shits what someone else thinks. A lot of times I feel that way, but you've got to understand that there are times where that, well, it's just there are times where you have to, and live feeding videos on the internet have never helped the hobby in any way, shape, or form. No. I love how you are so honest about yourself. It's so great. <laughs> well, I, I think that is the exact same thing as free handling. I have no problem with you doing it. You putting it on social media is for attention. Yes. You can yep. do whatever you want. If you put it 
on social media, you put it there so people would look at it. I have a Facebook, a personal Facebook with my wife because our in-laws don't live in Illinois. So we post a bunch of pictures of our kids and stuff so that their grandma and their aunts and uncles can see them. That's It's sharing. Social media is sharing. That's the purpose. If you went on Instagram and posted a picture of a boa eating a live rat, it's because you wanted to share it, not because you were marveling at the natural predation of a rodent. You can marvel at that natural predation of a rodent in a basement in your house with no one around. When you put it on the internet, yeah. it's because you wanted to share it. If you're doing it because you think it's cool or because whatever, that's fine. Do it because you – and a lot of that comes to these animals. If you own these animals because you like them, it doesn't honestly matter what others think about them. So you don't need that attention for it. Right. And like – I, and I don't – I don't live feed most of my stuff because it – because of the danger to the snake. Which I think is also just a blatantly stupid thing to say because they're all predators, except they're all also yeah. really derpy because they've been bred to the point of uselessness, so they don't know how to hunt. But anyway, there are things that I do feed live because they are specialized feeders or, or something of that nature, things that eat fish or, or very special things. And that is for me because – and I, I don't do it all the time, but it's because I want to see how that happens. You know, I would love to see how a tentacled snake or an elephant, how do they, how do they hunt? Why do the tentacles do what they do? And so on and so forth. And there are a few videos floating around out there of those things. Okay. But how those things are presented and why they're presented are entirely different. Especially like we don't post feeding videos for the educational thing and I don't feed in front of the public ever. And we constantly yeah. get asked about it. And there are facilities like mine that literally have feeding Fridays and it makes my blood pressure spike. Every time I see it advertised, it drives me nuts. It's like, I just, I have had people in my facility to watch my amphiumas hunt worms and things. And it was teaching a science lesson where I had one class, you know, a class came in for an ecology thing and they wanted to know like, okay, so this hunts crayfish, but the crayfish can pinch back. And how does that work? And it was an actual science lesson on predator and prey, right? It, that never went on Instagram. It didn't go on YouTube. Well, a, you know what I mean? As a zookeeper, I, I fed, I had to feed steaks at the time that people were obviously at the zoo. Cause that's when we're at the zoo. Sure. But never, it was never a spectacle of feeding snakes. It was, and they were always frozen. So it was take the snake, toss it in there, and move them away. Right. Now, feeding alligators, yeah, make a spectacle of it. Ish, kind of. I mean, I don't jump in there and, and I fed them from tongs. But I would let people come around because they're going to ask questions. I can answer questions while doing that. Um, and it's not, and if you've ever seen an, an alligator at a zoo feed, it's not overly aggressive. They're big, fat, and lazy lizards. Well, they, but you could also teach. They just kind of open their mouth. You can teach with that. You can teach station yeah. training and target training and why you as a zookeeper are doing those things. Like there's a reason for all the things that you're doing. Yeah. You know, you can teach lessons off of that all day. So I, I agree with the – I think we've got to get past the point of because so many people's argument against the, is like a live feeding videos is, well, it's nature and that's what they do. If you don't want to see it, don't watch it. 
You can't have that mentality if you want the hobby to move forward. You just no. can't. And and they can get upset with me saying that, and they can say, well, I can do whatever I want. You can do whatever you want. Just shut the fuck up about it. Well, well I can guarantee life. you that none of the things you have in nature are eating albino European lab mice. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think live feeding videos are what will end up forcing us to become like Great Britain, where live feeding is illegal unless absolutely necessary. And it'll be directly yep. related to people's emotional response from a live feeding video. Just like it was a there. totally different subject, like grizzly bear hunting in British Columbia is outlawed because it was an emotional reaction that people had and the people in the city voted it out. And now grizzly bears are becoming overpopulated. It's the same, same thing. Absolutely. Because again, the people making the laws aren't the people in the hobby. Now, we have great people like U.S. Art fighting for the laws they're trying to pass, but they're not the ones making the laws. The ones making the laws are the ones watching on YouTube. Some person, like that dumbass woman, get bit by her retic when we could all see that retic oh, was looking for food. That was yeah, painful. That's the worst. Yeah. Like, I, my I've been two seconds ago. a hundred times. My son called that comes out. out. There and you're like, oh, it looks – yeah, it's like that thing looks hungry. Yeah. Yeah, my, my uh, son is 10. And he was like, oh, look at that. And it smashed her. And he goes, why'd she stand there? I was like, <laughs> yep. Thanks. Thanks, son. All right. Yeah, well, then I also know, had a comment from the – I don't know if you ahead. ever noticed, Bill, in that video, if you look in the opposite corner, there's a rat rack where she was growing – breeding rats in the same room where that retic was in that crappy 75-gallon yep. tank. Yep. Yeah, I have seen that. Yep. So we also had this weird comment from some guy named Bill Bradley. Uh, it said, talk to kids, especially at shows in ARBC, et cetera. Even when you're not buying anything, just include them, answer the rep uh, repetitive questions and the simple care questions. And I read that. And as someone who does a lot of shows, uh, that really hit because I've seen both the positives and negatives on that. So there are a lot of reptile people who are not people, people. Yes. Or who are not kid people. Yes. yes. And I, I, I am not. I'm not a people person, per se, but I've worked retail. I'm a teacher. I know how to be a people person in public. And there are many people who, when they are behind a table, yes, it may be the 58,000th time you've been asked, is that a ball python? When in reality, it's a corn snake. But answer the question the same way you did the first time. Well, if the first time you said it was fuck off, don't answer it that way. Uh, <laughs> but... Answer it, educate them. Go, no, it's a corn snake, and then give them some information about a corn snake. Just, I mean, you've got it there. You bred it. It's your animal. You, you know, you like talking about corn snakes. If that's what you breed, talk to them about it. Um, and that doesn't happen enough. And I think more people have got to just realize. Yes, I understand. If you're the person, you get tired of everyone coming up and going, "Hey, can I hold that?" And your answer, answer obviously can be no. But find a, find a good way to say no, and then use that way every time. Right, I understand not wanting to let everybody hold your whatever it is because it's not a petting zoo. Like like this weekend next to me was a scaleless ball python. If he takes that scaleless ball python out for one person to hold, the next twenty people are going to want to hold it. So, but he was very polite about telling, "No, I'm not going. I can't take it out." And he explained why, and that's fine. People just got you've got to learn to talk to them. And then when it comes to kids, there's a different way. Again, we said don't talk to them like they're kids, but again, you can't talk to them like they're. Uh, you know, a 50 year old man either. They're not the same. Uh, you got to find a way to talk to them and, and, and encourage them, I guess is one thing. Well, I just want people to see the value in it. My, like, so you're at a table and 
NARBC is always my example for a really big show because that's the one local to me. But I, I assume most really big shows around the country are the same. If you are standing at your table and you're talking about a spotted python with these people, they're never going to buy it. It's weird. It's kind of expensive. But you're explaining like, no, it's not a corn snake. It's this special thing and it's very small and so on and so on. You're, you're giving your whole speech, right? The people who are into spotted pythons and who know what it is walk by your table or walk up to your table. I don't think you're going to miss the sale because you're talking to the newbie. I think the person who knows your who knows the species or is actually shopping for it hears that or sees that. I think that adds sales to your table. I think that adds value. You know, you cuz I'm telling you right now, I buy a lot of weird stuff and I probably spend way too much money. If I'm walking around and I definitely spend way too much money at NARBC. If I'm walking around NARBC and I walk by your table and you have weird stuff that nerds like me are into and somebody asks you about it or they misspeak or they, you know, don't know what it is or whatever it happens. And you're an idiot in how you answer or you mouth off or you ignore a kid or you tell some little kid to beat it like, hey, don't mess with the lizards or whatever. You're not getting my money, dude. It isn't happening. If you're sitting there talking to some newbie for five minutes about a really expensive lizard that I, my nerd self, want, I'll wait because I have the money. I know what it is. And I know this newbie isn't going to buy it. It's no big deal. I'm not going to well, I'm not going to skip the sale because you're talking to a new person about the thing I want. Well, there's a way to while talking to that newbie, look at the person and just say like, "How are you doing? I'll be right with you." Sure, just the and then you can continue conversation. Acknowledge, yeah. Yeah. Acknowledge that person and and they'll stick. They'll stay there. They know that you know they're there. They're going to stay there. Finish a conversation. And I don't know, there's a part of me that if I'm the person selling it, if you can't have the patience to let me talk to this new person who it could be a parent that just has questions because their kid is interested, then I might not want your sale anyways, because that's kind of how I feel about it. If you're not going to be open-minded and I, I just, you can tell it's starting to get late. My, I'm not forming words. <laughs> well, and the other part I liked about what you said was talking to children. It's very important. I think for people to learn that if a kid comes up to you and asks you the question, don't turn the, to the parent to answer the question. Yeah. Look at the kid in the eyes. Talk to the kid and treat them like they're the person that asked the question because they wanted to know the answer. Like you can you can treat kids like people. They're not these little alien things that people's pooped out and now you have to deal with them because they're in front of your table. All right. They're real people. Like my daughter, the reason I have two fucking corn snakes I didn't really want <laughs> is because the breeder talk to my daughter about the corn snakes not to my wife who was standing next to him not to me when i was there my daughter asked the questions he answered the questions to her and i i can honestly say for our child in particular everyone who knows her knows she talks she gets it honest i'll, I'll just throw that out there but it's very difficult for her to go up to someone she doesn't know and ask a question she's very uncomfortable with it and it's something we're working on so not only was I super proud that she was brave enough to go and talk to someone about something she really wanted, but it made me as a mom even happier that they took the time to respond to her 
not to talk over her or talk around her. Absolutely. Have you, I don't know, have you guys ever seen the meme that is, uh, I think it's Brian Shaw, but it's one of the world's strongest man guys and he's all jacked and the, there's a little girl like holding up a toy phone and it says, no matter how badass you are, when a five-year-old hands yeah. you a phone, yes. you answer it. <laughs> yes. It, it's that mentality, right? It's one of my favorite memes. <laughs> so I, non-reptile stuff, I work in federal law enforcement and I know how I look. I'm a bigger dude. I'm bald. I have a beard and tattoos and I typically wear body armor and I look a certain way. And then I take that off and put on a green polo with some reptile stuff. And then I'm still that kind of person when I go to a reptile show or when I'm at NARBC or one of these big public events. If a kid is going to come up and talk to somebody like me that looks like me, you need to respond. Like that, yes. it, first of all, it probably took a lot for a kid to come talk to me. I know how I look. Adults don't talk to me. And <laughs> I get the same thing, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And you you need to acknowledge that and you need to encourage that. And like, you, especially, what have any of you guys ever been up to NARBC? Yes, you guys have. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, sorry. Blanked out. Um, do, I'll sit on the floor there. I don't care. Like, so the, the Zilla booth, I'll go bother Ryan and look at the new junk they have to display. And there'll be kids in there messing with stuff. I'll sit on the floor I don't, and open up something. I don't care. Like, like you're not going to run into me if you're an adult walking around that show. I'm probably bigger than you. And some five-year-old walks up and wants to know what this bearded dragon is. And it's like, yeah, cool. Uh, you could look all the way up here at my six foot plus face and try to see this lizard or I'll just sit on the floor. Like, no, <laughs> they're little kids. Like you, I don't know. I just, it's so important to involve them. And so many reptile people, not reptile people, people that, sell reptiles uh, it's a little bit of a different grouping there really get into the sales side and they're especially at bigger trade shows there can be some very expensive animals a lot of money changes hands i understand that the business side can be serious for folks when it comes to business and money and i just it seems like a lot of and again you'll like this because it's always the crappy ball python people um yeah, Robert. <laughs> but it's I, I have a lot so more many... than just ball pythons, James. <laughs> but like you no, it's stereotypical, but you guys will know what I'm talking about. You you got one or two, three or four ball python tables, and they're just talking to each other, and they're like five friends, and there's money and snakes changing hands in this little circle of trying yep. to get the yes. next all white yeah. snake, because that's where all their genetics go anyway. And <laughs> it's you're just in this vicious circle and then somebody pops in who's not in the circle and if they're not dropping two g's on a striped snake that's going to turn out a white baby anyway you don't care and it see it every weekend yeah you know and it's like i was thinking it right now it's like man just explain to them or just show them an albino or show like, who cares? You know, Hey, check this out. Little dude, the guy who wants your gravel asphalt weirdo thing is going to show up anyway. Like this kid that wants to see a snake with a stripe. Don't even take it out of the cup. Just tilt the cup so we can see the stripe. Like who cares? Just, just show them a pie ball and everybody will be happy. Yeah. Those are always cool. That's why they're still cool. I'm an adult and think they're cool. Just show the kid the white splotchy uh, yeah. thing and move on. 
Yeah. I don't know. I just I want one. It's it's so important, but also so easy. And I just I don't know. I just want people to recognize the importance, but also recognize the simplicity. Well, and I like so back to the question about what you do to try and help pause for positive light. Uh, uh, Brandon Peace said, "Quit hating on ball pythons when you keep samboas." Talk about me. <laughs> just kidding, but I would say stop the hating and being so argumentative online. And I agree. As much as I as I bullshit ball pythons on here, uh, I I don't argue crap online because it's no one no one's ever won a Facebook fight. Facebook is like five trillion and oh, they've never lost. So there's no reason like if you don't like someone's snake or what they reproduce or what they're doing, keep scrolling. You don't have to comment. That thing looks stupid. Like that's not necessary. And like like I said before, I don't hate ball pythons. Uh, I, I dislike many of the people in ball pythons. And I, th- and I think it got mentioned on, on your podcast at one point. Uh, just, it was, it was the way that, I mean, you can picture it's, it's those guys that, are douchey at a show anyways that you wouldn't want to talk to anyways. Just don't go near them. Right. Uh, they're, they're going to say their stuff is the only good stuff and everybody else's stuff is garbage, which is it's used, it's, just not true. It's used car sales. Yes. It's, it's uncomfortable. And it, a lot of customer service type stuff, like you can feel that when it, and people always make a joke about the whole used car sales thing or buying a new car or whatever. And like, there's a reason that joke is funny is because it carries some truth. Because mm-hmm. people, people all throughout their lives have gone into that situation and had that uncomfortable feeling. It's the exact same way. Like everybody who's listening right now, who's been to a reptile show, knows what you mean. You even if you didn't convey how you thought you wanted to convey or, or what have you, that that specific feeling, we all know what that means. We've all walked by that table and been like, "Oh, spangly jeans. This is gonna suck." Like you got an affliction shirt you on. You get it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to. Yeah. I, I have a soapbox. I'm going to get on later. here in a little bit. So let's, let's, we'll get through this real quick. Well, wait a minute. I, because you didn't finish with these comments oh, here. Because, ahead. I mean, I 100% agree that James Lewis needs to quit being a hater on ball pythons. And Brandon Millichamp, I mean, I don't know where he gets I the idea that James can do whatever he wants. But that is not how it works, sir. <laughs> uh, I will say. Uh, previous guest on our podcast and your fellow co-host ryan mcveigh said be members of us arc that is definitely one thing you can do to help yes. push the hobby for forward. sure and that gives you the uh, right you- to go to auctions and give phil a hard time so that's worth it <laughs> well yeah i mean even if you're not in one of these states right now that are being attacked with laws you will be eventually it's coming yep. it's, you're not the special case it's it'll get there it just takes time you know, I don't know how any any keeper in Florida is not a member of Florida's U.S. Art chapter, or like, Alabama, you just, or you just have to be Georgia well, yeah. or Tennessee right now. Um, and then a lot of these things again are uh, are education. Like Ashley Howdy said, education um, through uh, both in person and YouTube and social media. I agree, education is a huge part of it. One thing I wanted to tie into this was. The last episode I listened of yours on Reptile Room Confessions where you had Bill Stewart. Oh, Stewart. Yep. One thing that I thought was amazing was his use of reptiles with uh, emotionally disturbed or uh, autistic uh, children. Yes. His ability 
to take those animals and connect them to the issues those kids are facing. And the way he explained it, I thought was amazing. And I've never thought that before. I'm like, that's insane. And the other thing that does is I, I can guarantee not every parent of those kids is a fan of snakes. But by the time he's done with that discussion he has with the kids, they at least don't dislike him as much as they did when they walked in. Absolutely. So I, I, I really liked how he was able to, you know, uh, talk about, you know, I can't remember. It's, it's, it's a lot. Anybody that hasn't, you need to go listen to the last reptile room confessions. And he, he's a, what is his job? I can't remember what his actual job title was. So he is a, uh, licensed therapist and social worker. And now has his own company where he is doing, uh, therapy sessions for kids that have experienced, uh, typically some type of attachment trauma or attachment disorder, whether it's, you you know, um, kids that are adopted or or have other issues like that, where there's some sort of attachment issue with family and then just generalized, uh, therapy for children or children that are on the spectrum, uh, it just generally emotionally disturbed in, in different ways. And his job in general has always been that. And then reptiles have always been separate and, he started to merge the two just as kind of a way to like connect to kids who didn't want to talk to him because he's a therapist and he started to see success with it. And now has actually made that the, the driver for his company is that that is the way he connects to kids. Now is using his animals and nature walks and different things like that. Yeah. I have a few students that fall on the spectrum that are emotionally disturbed in some of my classes and even in the last couple of years and my class pets that are reptiles are, that's how I connect with them. And if they have a really awesome day or, or they need a little pick me up, if they're having an off day, we hold that leopard gecko and we take that bearded dragon out or when everybody goes to PE, we, you know, we hang out with the corn snake for a little bit and it's, it is amazing what the animals can do. Well, and I I appreciate it. I like the way that it got explained in there, like the uh, the turtles. So talking about uh, when turtles are messed with, they go they they pull back <laughs> into their shell, they retreat yeah. into their shells, and, and it's very much like when a kid when a kid something something happens to them, they very much retreat back into themselves, and you can't force them to open up. You have you know you have to take time with them. I was like, man, that's that parallel is is real. Like that's 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 an amazing parallel. Well, and- or I think it may have been. Go ahead. Well, he's been very successful in that he he uses the analogies for both sides of it. So he's using it. He's generally using the animals to connect with the kids and and just as a this is a fun thing or this is something we can bond over. And then a lot of the analogies he was talking about in the episode is he's actually and he, he kept saying it and he kept trying to apologize because he didn't want to compare compare kids to reptiles. Um but he was using those analogies to try and explain behaviors to parents because his whole thing is very family oriented in, in how, how that child's issues interact in the family dynamic. Um, but yeah, a lot of his analogies were trying to explain behaviors and that's how he and I got into the squishy feelings versus math feelings whole, whole debate. Um, but that was, especially the turtle thing. And in a lot of those explanations was his explaining to parents what is happening with their kid, which was really awesome. Well, 
I think it may have been you, the one with how to approach them. Uh, when it was when you're approaching a snake, you got to pick it up from above. Oh, it can feel very yeah. threatened when you approach it that way, versus uh, approaching a snake from the bottom where it can feel more comfortable. Right. Which is very much like we talk about an autistic kid or a kid with Asperger's or something. The way you approach that kid has to be specific to that kid, and you can approach the approach them the wrong way, and the whole thing can go can go poorly. Right. Well, and that's uh, we do well pre-COVID. We do a lot of very large events. Uh, we go to C two E two, which is a comic convention up here in Chicago. And it's it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people over a four day weekend. It's crazy, and it's it's crammed in. It's like a reptile show on steroids. It's elbow to elbow, and it's all crazy. People are in costumes, and it's it's just very crowded. And so, a lot of my interaction there is physical. Is you know, and it, I'll hold the boa, and how about I just put my arm around you, and you can do your picture because you're wearing an entire Mario costume, and I can't destroy it with a snake. And it's very physical interactions that doesn't work for the vast majority of people on the spectrum. You know, again, how I talked yeah. about before, I'm probably taller than they are. I'm probably bigger than they are. My face looks a little weird with the fur on it. I got a, some colors on my arms and things. It, you know, you start to have to change your approach based on those people and it you know billy is just taking that to the extreme because professionally you know that's his actual forte well and i was there with you on the so i know a lot of y'all talk a lot of the people in the episode talking about uh how many people in the hobby probably do relate closer to reptiles because they deal with depression or deal with this and that right and you said you know you don't and i'm like i'm in the same boat i don't really deal with any of that but I know people do. Yes. And so like, I've got to be understanding that people do deal with that just because I don't, doesn't mean that everybody else can deal with it the same way. I, I, I you know, um, and so I heard that I was like, you're not the only one. I don't either. And then it's also, like you said, it, it's different. I'm, I'm a teacher and I've had to deal with kids with Asperger's and, and I'm not always the best at, at that, that that's a talent to deal with a kid that's on the spectrum, depending on where they're at. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and it's sometimes you have to handle them many times you have to handle them very different than other kids and i and i've had a kid before that had asperger's and anybody that's dealt with a child with asperger's they don't really have filters which can be hilarious at times but <laughs> yeah. if you don't know how to handle it it can get out of hand at times um and so in a classroom with other teenagers when one doesn't have a filter right it doesn't go so well so like i, I said hey i need you to go to the office take this to the office for me and when they left, I was like, I had a, I had a uh, come to Jesus meeting with the rest of my class. Like, look, guys, right. I need you to understand this is the issue. And I need you to understand you've got to learn how to handle it. You, If he snaps at you, I will handle it. You can't snap back. You know? And the, it's, I mean, that's if people haven't been around that. It's, it's, it goes know? again to this. Well, yeah. And it goes to like all these people at these shows. It's easy for myself or robert or you handle these kids that come up to a table and you talk to them because we all have kids right we know what it's like yes and i can get it for someone who's never had a kid or been around them it is they're a little alien it is weird but you got to figure it out and i the funny thing is like a lot of people well not a lot of people because not a lot of people know about my day job but people seem to think that my day job would is what 
helped me with the teaching and interacting with these folks and these kids. And it's actually completely the opposite. Um, I did this before I entered the law enforcement field. And then I also work in healthcare and it has, this is what has made me better at that. So I, we work a lot of major events and it's, it's different stuff, but uh, I'm in a lot of places with a ton of people and I look how I look. So kids on the spectrum and, and folks that suffer from these different things uh, are typically the people that are lost at major events and they, you know, find your parents or find your caretaker. And th those things happen all the time at, at, you know, Super Bowl and these giant events um, and how you interact with those people like that's doing a reptile shows and being at the zoo or being at a school, like that's how I learned to work with those kids or approach even adults who have the same afflictions, you know, to, to talk to them and approach them because now instead of, you know, having a snake on my shoulders or holding a, a black and white tegu and the kid is not certain about what's going on. Well, now I'm in body armor and I look like me and now the kid isn't real certain about what's going on you know, my approach is the exact same, you know, you, you're attempting to, to be disarming. You want to, you know, you're just trying to convey information, get some information, everything's cool. You know, then again, it's the same way. Like when I am helping an elderly person or when I was working or when I do work in healthcare, you know, a lot of times I have to put my hands on people. And in those situations, a lot of times you can't, and it's just, it starts to alter your approach and you have to know what to look for, but, and it's a huge learning curve, but I, if you're going to interact with the public, it needs to be at, in your repertoire. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be the guy they call for people who have issues, but you should at least know how to functionally get yourself a, through a conversation with someone who doesn't converse in the way that you do. Well, and I'm sure like Robert's previous career, you had to deal with that a lot, right? Because I mean, Robert's a big dude too. I mean, I am too. Like, so it's, I'm sure, and you have to find a way to get people not to be afraid of you when you come up to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it always seemed like since I was the biggest guy there, when it was when you did get someone who was wanting to fight, I was the one they wanted to fight. Oh I'm yeah, sure you for sure, that, Bill. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. I've also never understood that. I understand that for folks who are who are yeah. genuinely emotionally disturbed because they lack they may lack some logical reasoning. But just in the general public, like if you're out at a bar or you're around a bunch of idiots, like dude, why did you pick me? Yeah. What happens what happens if you're wrong? Like right. if you actually aren't awesome and I am awesome, this is not going to go well. <laughs> Like, that, that just wasn't smart i don't understand yeah it's around. just very strange because you get it you know if, if it's a an, an emotionally disturbed person or a child or, or someone on the spectrum yeah okay well all the problems are coming my way now i yep. got a deal okay i understand yep. but like if it's someone that can make decent choices like you yeah. just are not you're not good at choice making i don't know what's going on man like <laughs> yeah Okay, so I want to let Katie get on her soapbox since we got on our soapboxes earlier, awesome. and and I'll add to it. But Katie, what is your soapbox this okay. week? Okay, so uh, let me let me just say, 
I I'm I'm gonna preface this by saying that I'm I don't consider myself to be a prude. However, <laughs> one of the things that I think I'm, I'm sure Robert knows where this is going. Oh yeah. One of the things that really bothers me, and that I think looks bad on our hobby, is the way that people dress, particularly the way that they dress. When they post pictures online, the way that they dress when they're at a show, or the way that they're dressed when they're behind the table. If you're trying to ban cleavage pythons, we're going to fight. Yeah. I (laughs) don't care if you are male or female. If you are going to sell something, be appropriate. Yes. The three of us have a very good friend. I, I consider him to be a very good friend. He's hung out with us a lot lately. Tends to wear slightly inappropriate shirts. A little bit. Like the back of the last shirt that he was wearing says, please be 18. That was the good one for the weekend. And that was the good one. Yeah, that was the good one. Um, you know, the other one said, you know, I hope mm-hmm. that karma. That's a little hardcore. you with a cactus, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and a particular orifice, for that matter. But, um. With that no. said, he is a great guy. Does it guy. need to be a, a particular guy. orifice if it's a cactus? I don't think it needs to. Uh, I think they're all no. bad. Yeah. Well, he definitely yeah. chose with one. That said, <laughs> well, I believe with that. that said, he is a great guy. He is. But the shirt makes you would would lead you to believe that he's not if you just saw him. Sure. Or be like, man, I really well, don't want to get talk to this person who knows a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> that the fact that he can't grow facial hair properly. Stop it, y'all leave him alone. <laughs> um, it's nothing I haven't said to his face. <laughs> I know it's not, but, his beard. but still. But my thing is, since I have started running the register and helping up out front, helping out up front, see everybody. I see everyone that comes in the door. And oh, for, for some sure. of them, everything for sure. And I'm just saying, if you're going to leave your house dressed in a particular way with lots of legs showing with your butt hanging out of the bottom of your now, skirt. I'm not complaining. And your and see-through hat. shorts with a bright blue hat. thong, we're going to look. <laughs> and I need you not you to be offended see. when we look. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. So I, I, I just, so this this somewhat stems from her seeing that oh, and from the Her, the Her Pediculture podcast. Uh, last week, I think, when they had uh, Dominique on. Sure. And Dominique, I, I, I hope not to, I'm not going to try and say anything you didn't say. And if I say it the wrong way, you can yell at me later. I apologize. But the, the conversation came up with Phil and Justin and Dominique about uh, the way that people present themselves at shows or online, social media. If, if your Instagram is full of your tits and a little bit of your snake or lizard, that's not a reptile picture. And I know that Phil said that, and I felt kind of the same way. I'm probably not going to take you as serious as, say, someone that is clothed or just show me a picture of a snake. Now, I'm going to interrupt you there because I feel the same way about men that are dressed with their shorts hanging around their butt. No, the douchebag with no shirt on. I don't want to see your underwear. I don't don't need all that. Put on a shirt and take a picture of your snake. It's it's a two-sided issue. I, I take both of them. Now, Dominique's thing was if, if if I take them less serious because of the way they're dressed, maybe I need to think about how I view people. I'm not thinking about how I view people. I'm thinking about how I view you. If you're half naked, I'm just seeing you as a half naked person holding an animal. I'm not seeing you as the person I need to go to to, to learn about that animal. And and I will say this. I, I am one of those people. When I Google something, I Google and 
read like nine different websites to make sure that all the websites say the same thing and I'm getting somewhat factual information. So this is not just my opinion. I spoke to multiple men and women at the show, whether they were vendors, whether they were friends of vendors, whether they were vendors, significant others. And it's, it's definitely an all around, we feel the same way. If you're behind a table, yeah, it's, it's a little harder for us to take you seriously. And if you're just visiting, we feel like you're doing it for attention. I've been to those big shows where the girls are behind the table with the cut off t-shirts that are cut all the way down to their belly button. And it's like, I don't take them as the, they're behind the table. I'm not assuming they're the breeder. I'm not assuming they're the person I need to talk to. They're shot girls. I'm assuming they're there. They're trying to get you to buy a shot at a bar. It's advertising. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what they look. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's all I'm assuming they're there for. Now, here's the thing: if I go there and that happens to actually be the person that is the expert on that animal and knows it, uh, you didn't dress the way for me to assume that. And 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 some people can get upset and go, "Well, why would you assume that they are?" Maybe we're old. Maybe no. that's the problem. So, Maybe no, I'm no. just old. So this is this is this is two different things. So for your guy that wears questionable T-shirt choices, so that. <laughs> That is just what you view as professionalism in the idea that you're selling something and money is changing hands and this needs to be a professional entity. So that that is what he chooses to wear to work and what you choose to wear to work. If you, you know, you wear a polo or you don't or whatever, that's professional etiquette type of thing. So you can agree or disagree with that. The other side of what you're talking about with scantily dressed women or dudes that don't wear shirts that is sex appeal. So if you are... I mean, I will be 100% honest. If I had a tenth of the confidence in my own body that these women had in their body, holy cow, I would be <laughs> rocking some crazy stuff. I don't. I will be 100% honest. I don't have that confidence level. So more power to you that you have but it. But my thing is that it's but advertising. they got to know. They, they do. But when you talk about social media and different things, and when you're talking about the person standing behind the table that's dressed like a shot girl, that's advertising. And we have accepted that as a culture, that that is an okay way to advertise things. Sex appeal is used to advertise things on television all the time, in, in ads all the time. That is an accepted way in our culture to sell things. If you are conforming to that advertising mechanism by having a whole bunch of cleavage out when you're standing around the stuff that someone here is here to sell, this is a trade show. You are selling a product and you have a, a woman here with a bunch of cleavage or a dude with really nice abs that go into that little V in his jeans. Yeah, that's why that guy sells cologne and sells perfume because the people that buy dime store novels think he's hot. The girl with the cleavage that's selling beer and potato chips, she don't drink beer or eat potato chips. She's selling them because she's hot. That's an accepted form of advertising in our culture. If you show up and then you happen to be intelligence wise equivalent to Tracy Barker, but I was just about to say Tracy Barker would never dress. But, like but I'm that. saying, no, just, I'm just yeah. saying, no, if, if, if you show up and you know, just as much as Tracy Barker does, but you stand Vanna white next to a cowrie tick and you have a bikini top on, you're doing everything physically to do sex appeal and advertising. And then you're wondering why I didn't ask you the scientific name of a reticulated Python. I don't need to. You you are an advertisement and I'm not hungry for Doritos, so I'm going to keep walking. 
Like that that's yeah. a culturally well, accepted thing in our society. In Western society, it's and I don't okay. Think that's a, I don't think that's a sexist thing that we're guys and we need to not see women as sex. sex oh god, no. Not- I stared at every woman that walked in that door this weekend. It, <laughs> I, I mean it was hard not to. Look, if I can see each cheek jiggle when you walk, I'm gonna look. I can't you wanted me to like, you can't be like I don't want them to look. Well, if you didn't want me to look, you would have wore actual pants and not see through pants. Well, see, but that's a different side though. If you're talking about people that are there as yeah, the public I, I, as they're the, not they're not the professional. The public is just the, the public is crazy. That they do what they do. That's but if true. you're the one behind the I mean, we saw a woman in a sexy police costume this weekend. There's so nothing I mean, wrong with that. No. <laughs> there wasn't. If, but if, if but I'm saying if you're the one behind the table, then then you get into the yes. is this advertising? Is this professional versus unprofessional dress and it's just personal opinion? Or so like reach out reptiles. Love those guys. Super cool dudes. You saw his setup at NARBC. He's always got a couple of hot chicks that walk around. And when you go to the NARBC auction, there are four very attractive women, two of which happen to be at the Reach Out Reptiles booth, that bring around the auction items. And that is – everybody knows why. They're super hot. They all dress super hot. That's just how it is. And that's their and look, they may be they may be doctors. They may be doctors in their private in their private Do, life, but they're not there for their medical. I've knowledge. actually hung out and talked to two of those ladies, and they are super intelligent. They are very they I'm are sure. very smart people. They also happen to be incredibly attractive. And in the auction, they don't talk to you about what it is. They carry it around, and it's so you will look, and so you will bid. That it there's a it's advertising. It's purpose driven. Yeah, and if on Facebook, 90% of your pictures show off your body and your animal, don't be upset when people aren't taking you serious as a breeder or as the expert in that sure. animal. Because that's not that's not what you've presented. You haven't presented that you want to sh- showcase that animal. You've presented that that animal is there to help showcase your body. Do you guys know who Christy Mack is? Mm-hmm. If, if you don't want to answer because your wife's here, that's okay. I don't, I don't know who she uh, is. I'm not Chris, Chris, Christy I'm, Mack is a uh, an adult entertainer, <laughs> and she be also what you Google Katie. Yeah, yeah. Be specific. Um, she is a, a an adult entertainer. She also happens to be a bit of a reptile nerd, and I have seen her on social media in both of those forms. When a lot of times, when you see her hanging out with it's it's always big snakes and stuff the the picture is generally of the animal or she's just in it and then like a lot of the captions will talk about the animal and and she's not necessarily i mean she's just generally attractive but she's not really wearing anything super revealing she's just hey this is my buddy's boa and i saw it and i wanted to post it to my instagram or this is my friend's retic and check this out and this is the morph and i learned about it and then her other persona uh, is not that. And that is not what the pictures are of. And it's very segregated in that way. Okay, well, then you know what you came here for. If you came yep. here to read about retic morphs, and it happens to be that this very attractive woman is also into retic morphs, then you're reading about retic morphs. If you yeah, came she here was on the to. Cover of- she was on the cover of Inked Magazine, nude, yeah. with a big retic wrapped around her. Right, but you you knew what you oh, were going to that magazine for when you bought that cover. 
right? Like, right. I happen to be into snakes and also tattooed nice ladies. But right. that those two things are, at the time, are mutually exclusive. You know, when you look at certain types of media with that lady, you're just looking at the media. And when you are reading about retic morphs and she is involved, you're reading about retic morphs. You're not really looking at it for her. She is just there in the discussion. It's two different things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But anyways, but yeah, that was my, oh, goodness, James. Uh, that was, yeah, that's kind of my soapbox. But, you know, with that being said, I make fun of James every Friday when I wear blue jeans to school because we can wear blue jeans to school on Friday and he chooses to continue to wear khaki because I refuse to wear blue jeans. He, it, to him, teachers should not wear blue jeans. It's not professional. And for me, I'm like, I, my fifth graders don't care if I'm in blue jeans. They're just happy I'm at school. So, sure. <laughs> so yeah. But your blue just, jeans don't have a hole in the crotch so that I can see your underwear. Like, this is that's true. completely different. Right. This is true. I just, I don't know. So, anyways, that was her soapbox. That was my soapbox. I want to Hold on. I want to hit on a couple of YouTube things before we. Start to wrap this up before I go uh, to bed. Because I like to hit on that. You've already been to bed some while we've been on the podcast, but still, before before we wrap this up, uh, we mentioned some of these people before. But Snake Discovery put out a video this past week where they started decorating the cages at their new reptile zoo, which is going to be awesome when that's open. That was really cool to watch them put up the big fake rock walls, or they did some of the big like um, why can't I think big pictures on the background. Instead of doing the rock wall, uh, I would go watch that video. Just watch the whole process. If you haven't watched the whole process of them building their new reptile zoo, go watch that. Very interesting. Uh, we mentioned Dave Coffin earlier. He went to, uh, what is it called? It's the place where Riley works. GX3 Reptiles Shop, whatever. It's in California. It's where Riley Jimison started working at. But uh, he shot a video where he went there to show that the new reptile store. GX3. GX3. Sacramento. Yeah. And I do want to bring that up only because finally, Joe, if anybody caught it tonight, well, tonight was Monday night. So whenever this is put out, if you watched it on Monday night, Joe Phelan finally did a uh, podcast for the first time in a while. Yeah, he did. Uh, he, uh, he, I mean, he got COVID at one point. So I guess that excuses him from doing a podcast during that. Absolutely. Uh, but he did talk no about excuse. some new uh, interesting he talked about some new interesting news. Uh, go watch it. But he talked about he's he's going to be opening up a reptile store in Charlotte, North Carolina. Really? So, yeah, he's, he he has a partner, and they're going to be opening up a brick and mortar, uh, more of a showroom, a lot of online sales, but a brick and mortar in Charlotte, North Carolina. Awesome. Well, and I think he's going to be I more to... focused on uh, equipment and plants and things as well. Yes, yes. and I, so I wanted to congratulate. Mm. I, I know that he's. That's a huge thing for him. I wonder if he wants to carry. And I'm jealous because I'd love to do that too. What? I wonder if he wants to carry some racks in his store. <laughs> it's very I know possible. a guy. <laughs> hey, Joe, I know a guy. Uh, and so that was super exciting. See, one, to see him on because he hadn't been on in a while. Um, and two, that's an awesome piece of news that I was excited to hear. And then uh, another one is from. I always mention primitive predators a lot on here because they have uh, uh, really cool crocodile setups in Florida. Yes. They posted a video this week where they just finally put their Niles in the new exhibits. And uh, that's just cool to see, watch how they box their Niles up. It's actually, I've worked with Niles and my Niles were never like theirs. And I'm super jealous. Mine wanted to eat me. 
theirs just wanted to lay there and didn't give a crap and then like slowly walked into the box. I was always anxious when he had to work with the Niles at our zoo. Yeah, that's I almost crapped myself working with them one time. But is not nice? Uh, you can watch it. They started putting them into those new amazing crocodile exhibits they've built that they've planned out. And I mean, those things have been planned to a T and they're amazing. Just go watch the videos on any of the new crocodile exhibits on primitive predators. Uh, but I saw that they posted that today, I think. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then, uh, I think that's all I have. Oh, uh, there've been a lot of posts lately on our, uh, discussion group, the Reptile Gumbo Podcast discussion group on Facebook. Uh, so if you haven't gone there yet, go over there, check that out. Um, last week, I know that it got brought up when we had, uh, what was the last week when it got brought up? I oh, know, which when we had Travis on, uh, the article that Scott Borden had about uh, hydration, how important hydration is versus uh, humidity. So as much as everybody goes, my safe's not shedding, it must be a humidity issue. It's not always a humidity issue. Sometimes it's uh, you need to give them water to drink issue. I love seeing on the discussion group that there are articles like this being shared. There are videos being shared uh, that are very educational and very knowledgeable. But there's also questions that are being asked. When people or, share their setups for their snakes and stuff, and that's cool to see. Like if you if you scroll down, you'll see um, that the guy. Um, Right there. Yeah. Jason, he was just showing off some boas that he had. He's got a project he's working on. He was happy with the outcome and, and he just wanted to show them off. And I thought that was so great that, you know, that's a cool place to be able to do that with. And if you can think of animals yes. that Lavisa should keep that James and Robert and myself didn't think of, you should add that to the list. Yes. Cause she was, she had an empty <laughs> cage and she was trying to think of something to put in there. Oh my yep. goodness. <laughs> I mean, it's past my bedtime, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not thinking of anything tonight. Yeah. I'm normally Yesterday in the bed past by Robert's like bedtime. 9 o'clock. I have to get up and drive Robert's six and a half hours again tomorrow. Oh, no. I don't. I didn't drive at all yesterday, which is weird for us. So you got to get to the point where Logan's old enough to drive. Yeah, that's still six years right. away. Only if he gets caught. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> got to love cruise no. control. It's good for what ails you. <laughs> <laughs> Cruise control is dangerous when I'm sleepy, right? Though. Oh, I did want to ask. Okay, so the, you have a, you have a lot of I say a lot. You have monitors, large lizards, yes. right? Okay, so there was a video put out by Wicked's uh, Wicked's Wicked Reptiles uh, about five things in the hobby that are basically controversial. Okay, and one that got brought up that I I never actually look into, but I hear about it every now and then, which is grow tents for monitors. What is up with that? Do you have any idea about people using grow tents for my, it just doesn't seem like that's feasible. I don't know how, well, you would have to have solid sides. I'm not sure. Then it wouldn't really be yeah. a grow tent. It'd be a grow tent, like on a brick wall. I don't know how you would, I'm not sure how you would do that. I mean, maybe yeah. for really small monitor species in, but even those have pretty legit claws, and then I'd be worried about them getting out because they're so small. Uh, for the larger species, I don't know how you would do that. I'm I'm just thinking when I think about grow tents, like I'm I'm thinking about the different things that I use for greenhouses and stuff in the garden, and the different fabrics and things that they use. I can't really think of a material that is available for that that a monitor wouldn't just go right through. 
Yeah, you'd need like an old school greenhouse with plastic walls or right. something. I mean, Even maybe then, that's I- what they meant and they just used a different term. If it were like the hard plastic, yeah, I, I could see that. You'd have to – you'd be just like tortoises. You'd have to bury part of the wall and things to keep them from digging out or, or put some kind of floor in it. But the actual fabric versions of those or any of the – you know, go to Lowe's or whatever and, and get a grow tent type of thing, I – I mean, my Argus would go through any of those and it would not even slow down. And see, I'd heard about monitor people using grow tents and my brain was just like, I don't understand the logistics of, or I don't understand how we got to the point where that was accepted for some people, like for monitors. That just doesn't seem, I, cause I'm just picturing even Savannah just going, I'm going to walk through this because right. I can't. I mean, putting the only thing I could understand is putting that grow tent on a hard base of some kind. But I mean that yeah. it I don't know. I, I would never attempt that just because it, all my tegus, all my monitors, with the exception of the Aki, even the Aki with his claws, I think would just start to slice into that. But all the big ones would, would bruise her through any of those things. Okay. I just I was just thinking, man, it just seems insane. I don't so if anybody out there has actually done it properly, post a picture over on our discussion group because I'd like to see what you are doing and how you're keeping your lizard from just right. or, wandering. Or if out of we're it. misunderstanding grow tent and they actually do mean those the hard plastic ones, I totally could see that. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, but I saw it and I was like, ooh, he has lizards. Let me ask I, I just uh, introduced Argus monitors last night and also they're not large, but a pleuris iguanas as well so hopefully we'll see some action I just, so is monitor breeding nearly as scary as like blue tongue skink breeding uh, we were terrified it went perfectly fine there was no issue we were genuinely freaked out my wife had on giant gloves and was ready to dive in there uh, it, <laughs> it it was not in any way necessary so it ended up great um, I have helped, I helped a friend move a croc monitor for that purpose. Oh, hell and man. that was, I am kind of an idiot. So I just grabbed it and moved it. But that probably was just me thinking, bef- not thinking, I guess, acting before my brain caught up. That's the only real way that happened. But I've had more issue with tegus. Uh, tegus don't get along. They move with a purpose when they get upset. And then, uh, actual green iguanas that can be not cool when they get into it. But, but all that is if they're not getting along, right? right? But if breeding it fairly, it's fine. No, I've never had any issues of. Cause like blue tongues, just breeding can rip off a leg. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of the, I've not bred a ton of them, but from the ones that I have seen and the research that I've done, the a lot of the mid-size Indos are like that, like blue tails. I, I love blue tail monitors, uh, Varanus dorianus. They're probably my famous yeah. favorite lizard ever. And a big reason that they are not as prevalent in the hobby as you would think they are is because when you get away from the mangroves and nowadays what would be considered the smaller indos back in the day we used to get big mangroves and big dumarils but now we get small ones because they get imported from a different place totally different tangent sorry um (laughs) blue tails are actually a little bit larger and they are incredibly violent when they breed in the same way they bite and claw and they're basically a small croc monitor so their claws and teeth are nasty 
and it it can yeah, cause I, I had severe one. damage. Someone gave me an adult at one point. Oh, that'd be and awesome. It, it it was not have it did not like being held. Oh no, for sure. And they are fast, right? I would have to put a, like the, the, so. I would put a. I don't like putting leashes on lizards because I feel like an idiot. But I would have to when I want to take it outside, just so I can get some sunlight outside. Yep. And it would just like run back and forth across the brick wall of my house. It was like flying a kite against the side of my house yep. at that point, and it would run across it like nothing. Yeah, the Dumarils same way, just. Seven feet in the air, like okay, I'll just hold this leash over my head. You do what you got to do. I'll get, I'll get a yeah. shrimp here in about an hour and convince you to come back down. I, I kept them in a big wooden cage on what used to be the back porch, but got closed in and finished part of the mm-hmm. house. So one wall was an exterior brick wall, and it got out one time. And I come in, and here it is, just running back and forth across this brick wall. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to catch this thing? I got it carefully. Anyways. Before everybody else falls asleep. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'm let's wrap this, wrap this up. Bill, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or listen to you, what are the 20 million platforms they can find oh, you on? Oh, man. So Cole Black Exotics, like coal you dig out of the ground. And it's black. It is. That can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, basically anywhere. It's all kid-friendly stuff so there's there's no bad language or anything like that the reptile room confessions podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts that also is actually for all of the podcasts that i list um our stuff is specifically not explicit so we because we teach so much i was really weird about that and then with with ryan and erica and actually my wife and i doing the rescue we're kind of weird about the talking to the public type of thing. So all of our stuff is non-explicit so kids can hang out and do whatever they do. So Reptile Room Confessions podcast, Lizard Brain Radio, Saurian Stories. Those all involve me in some manner. And then Indira, which is I-N-D-I-R-A. It's my daughter's name. Indira Inverts is my daughter. She does her podcast, YouTube videos, Facebook, about all of her invertebrate and collection. And then the Turtle Talk podcast is Facebook, YouTube, and podcast as well. And that is my son, Walter. And he has our entire basement of our facility is all turtles. And then upstairs is our Socata tortoise in the half a horse stall that we built. <laughs> it's amazing. I saw some of the footage in one of the videos and it's so cool. So maybe one of y'all have an idea. I'm about to put a big cane heat mat into my tortoise barn and I'm trying to figure out the best way to attach the thermostat probe to that heat mat that they won't rip it off of there. Ooh. Okay. I'm glad I'm in the same boat then. Okay. Uh, I, other than I must building something almost, around I guess like, it. I don't, I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, I can still make silicone it on there, but they're going to knock it off multiple oh, times. Yeah. I don't know. I mean that, yeah, they're just dragging their feet. will pull that. Yeah, I know. I don't know. That's rough. Well, damn. I thought about just putting it on a rheostat and just adjusting it that way, and then it just—that's not a bad idea. Don't want to worry about yeah, probe. That's not a bad so idea. I may just—I may just order a rheostat. Okay. All right. So, Robert, how can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram or Facebook, Lone Star Reptile Racks, or my personal Facebook, Robert Powers. Uh, I tend to get a little controversial on there, so if you're soft, I wouldn't—I wouldn't friend me. Um, <laughs> And uh, 
Also, if this podcast offends you, don't friend Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, www.lsreptileracks.com is my website. It has my cell phone number on it. Uh, you can message me, call me, text me, whatever. I answer all of them. And you can also see them at the last Herp Show of the Year in Austin, Texas in two weeks. Yes, you can. So if you're wanting, if you're wanting to get a snake rack for Christmas, now is the time to go ahead and hurry up and order it. And you may be able to get it before Christmas. But I'll be out in the woods until the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so my response time might be a little slow. Yes. he's He'll be shooting poor defenseless little animals. Uh, you hush up. He's going to give they me taste, they taste, they taste wonderful. <laughs> I'm looking for pigs, mostly. I'm I'm telling you, don't shoot them all. Spring break. We're com- I'm coming to kill we one. We could not physically shoot them all. There's too many. I know. I know. You can try. I look forward to... <laughs> I look forward to shooting one. I don't know. I heard about this cabin at the ranch. I don't know that I'm going to be making the that. The cabin's trip. not the issue. It's the <laughs> camper outside that's the issue. Oh lord! You know the cabin's great. The cabin doesn't. Mm. The camper outside has mice. Oh, I can't. I can't, y'all. I'm tired. I can't. <laughs> and then Katie. You, they can find me through you. Yeah, that's your best bet. So, <laughs> Simply Serpents on Facebook or Simply Underscore Serpents on Instagram. If you want to get a hold of us for the podcast, it is The Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and The Reptile Gumbo Podcast at gmail.com. Bill, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Bill. That was cool. I'm for sure. Still talking, but still talking. Everybody's just talking over me. Yeah, we're <laughs> done with you. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to say, Robert and I are you said that, you know, they could find her through you or you could just wait long enough and she'll message you and say, hey, you should come on our podcast. And that's how that happens. <laughs> well, she had to start earning her keep here. She had to start earning oh, people. I got it. You are the first person that came to my mind. It was great. All right. <laughs> and I appreciate you coming on. I really do. It's been awesome. Sure. Uh, but that's it for the, for this week. Yep. Yep. All right. See ya. Bye.